Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. The way we were raised in action sports, when you managed athletes, you managed their brand. Like all athletes want to do that now. That's not that old of a thing. Hey, what do you think of this? I'm going to represent snowboard. What if that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. So it's like now the second time I've heard this from really smart people in my life. And I'm like, fuck these guys. Like every time a real smart person tells me this, the dumb guy goes and figures it out. So I'm going to go do this again. Relaunching the family. There was a goal of like, how do you build a culture and how do you do this in a 360 and a mutual admiration society? Like action sports found me into the NBA and golf and all that. Why not music? Why not artists, photographers? I really fucking love what I do. Mm. And every one of my clients, I love so much. And I want my other people to feel that same way. You can't force it. And I know I'm going to hit bumps, but I'd be really blessed if I built a business that changed a lot of the way managers and agents think. And look at the efficiency to give back to the athlete or the musician. It's about them. Without them, we don't have a job. If I don't make money because my client calls me and needs help buying a house, I don't make money on that. I'm going to help him do that. If he's going through or she's going through a divorce, I'm going to be there for that. To me, that's the difference. While I was going to do these things, I had a lot of people support me to say, like, do this for yourself, do this for yourself. You know what? No, I was put on this earth to actually serve. I'd be fucking miserable if I couldn't share these experiences, good or bad, and be honest and be truthful. Because what I do feel like is I don't deserve in a lot of ways to be where I am. So now I should be very grateful to it because for the fucked up shit I did or the things that I have done, pretty special that you get those chances. Shameful as it may feel when we look at that, as guilty as we feel, all the self-judgment, all the shit that we feel, can we just sit with it? And what if we're just on the journey of unpacking and when things come up, we just unpack them. And we don't go looking for the the boxes to unpack, but when they present themselves, can we be open to what's in there for us to learn from our experiences? I'm still going to have these moments where I don't quite get it right, but can I give myself grace? Your brain is so powerful on how it can heal you in physical ways, the more calm you are mentally. Just kind of give people out there some hope. Like It doesn't matter where you're at right now. There's always ways to pivot and to change a trajectory of where you're headed. Yes, yeah, so I was just sharing with my brother, Steve Astafin. I pronounced that right, yeah? Yeah. Otherwise known as the, the, the ass man around, <laughs> around Idaho parts, which, you know, we, we'll leave it to uh, your imagination what that may be. I think it just rolls off the tongue easier than Astafin. So Smooth. we'll just go with that. I was just sharing with you, this is the first time I've sat down in three plus months to do a podcast. And generally, as I share with you, I, I'll do some prep work. It doesn't matter how much I know the person. Like, what do I want to talk about? What are the things? And, and generally, I go off that script anyway. We'll just get into the conversation. But with you, I was kind of in meditation this morning. Just all these things kept coming through. I'm like, oh, there's, there's, there's nothing to prepare for. There's just a conversation, just a conversation. between two brothers. And um, I'm so not only interested in your story, I, I know a lot of it just from the, the, the time we've spent together this summer. I think there's so much in there in your journey to share with others and, and they can see themselves in many different parts of your story. And you know, we're going to get into all that, especially the, the, the early years where 
it was pretty fucking bleak, man. You were on a, you were on a shit path. I mean, <laughs> for lack of a better term, but I, I think it's for sure a shit path. That's yeah. a good way to look at it. In, Not the right path, but, yeah. but for whatever reason, and we'll get into that, you were able to choose a new path and just kind of give people out there some hope. Like it doesn't matter where you're at right now. There's always way to, ways to pivot and to change a trajectory of where you're headed. And so I'm excited to get into all that and the work you're doing today. And, you know, I don't know how much it's like uh, kind of a Jerry Maguire moment. I and mean, you'll be able to share that, but just the way, you know, I would say you're changing the way the agency model works or potentially changing that. But for you, you're doing it differently. And I think just in the conversations we've had so inspiring and it comes right from your heart, brother. And that's oh, so cool that. for me. So, so welcome to the show. Welcome to Austin. Thank you, by the way. I, I love Austin. I'm so excited to be here. Brother, I, I was explaining this to, we were having a conversation last night as we were coming home from, from ACL and just to lay it out for people Thursday night, um, we went, you know, Steve, uh, his agency manages Machine Gun Kelly. So you're not necessarily, Matt's his agent, but you, you know, you're obviously very tight with him. Set us up at Stubbs with just amazing access. So we're side stage. It's incredible. And, you know, not to be outdone, we get backstage passes to ACL, to that show. And we're not side stage. We're on the front of the stage with that massive crowd and just, MGK is putting on a performance. And, and for me, you know, Stubbs was flying first class, not domestically, like on Emirates, like <laughs> to wherever they fly, right? Like that's epic. I've never done it. Lay I down beds. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> There's a bar, a nightclub in the back. Shower, <laughs> Shower. the whole nine. Yeah. yeah. And then yesterday's experience was flying private. It's like, and I wanted to explain to Hope, who's my 14-year-old daughter, this is not- Gonna happen every time. It's not normal, okay? <laughs> I don't know if this will ever happen again, but, but savor this moment. I, I can't deliver this again <laughs> necessarily, but it was such an incredible experience. I've been on stage. I've been in these different uh, experiences before, but when I was sitting there yesterday, I, I felt it. It was, it was an experience that I'd never had. And as a 49 year old guy who has done a lot, it, 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 it kind of blew me away. I was taken aback. I knew it was going to be cool and fun, but I was like in the moment, like this is so amazing. And you, you made that happen. So I just want to thank you for, for me, for hope, you know, Lindsay, who's here, she was able to experience that. And so thanks for you know, just opening up that opportunity for us to have that experience together is really special. Of course. I got, uh, I got a good photo I'll share later, but like father of the year for sure for you, but you had my son too. So while I'm running around, you had him, but you, when you guys were side stage, I was on the opposite side because yeah. I wanted to go check on something really quick. And then I saw, um, Omar, the head of live nation, just to talk to him really quick. And I looked over and it's like on the stage, you guys, the kids, hope jet, Lindsay, everybody sitting there. So I, I zoomed in a little bit, but enough to be able to tell where you are and just got a little, little photo of you guys in your zone, uh, which is pretty cool. But that's what it's about. I mean, there's, there's so many, I mean, those kind of things for us and, you know, 
Dre and Ash and I as partners management on, on Colson and Matt as his agent as tours and what we're booking right now, you know, he's made a big transition in life from not only a genre that he revived and like kind of blew up um, and brought back what we all remember of the Blink-182 days and that sort of stuff and transitioning from hip hop and still very much so in hip hop. And we have, he's got stuff coming out um, probably even this February, March, that'll be back in that a little bit too. But it's just people hearing him and seeing the passion that he has and with our other talent too, whether it be Avril or anybody and, and athletes too, it's like, when you have a good situation like that, you can share it with people that maybe don't have that experience every day, especially people you care about, like your family and the people that you're around. It's just cool to see what people feel or, or, or what they go get to experience. So for me, I'm all about it. Like I just, the more people that can enjoy and experience these type, type of things, it's just really great for me. So it's a win-win for everybody. So. And, and we felt that it was, you, you were like, this is no, like just so, um, didn't, it's hard to describe. I know it was on some level easy for you because you, 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 you have that access, right. But you just made it seem like this is, this is, this is what we do. This is what I yeah. do for people. You know, like yeah. it was such a, I didn't feel like we were imposing or asking too much and just to feel so comfortable in that unique experience was, was what I think really made it special. Yeah. You know, I don't think I, I'm not saying with every artist it's possible. I think it is, you know, I'm new to that two years in, right? When I launched the family, decided to be in music, I got lucky to have a, a, a kid that I watched grow up around my athletes and my friends. And, you know, I've known them for over a decade. But um, I think you probably saw it Stubbs backstage. You know, that's a family, you know, Dre, Ash, Slim, Baze, Rook. I mean, especially Dre, Ash, and Slim. They have been since high school. I mean, like since. Kells was working in the mall at a airbrush place, rapping for people that would listen. And basically, even if they didn't want to listen, he was still going to rap for people. And he was living in the basement of Ashley's parents' house. And if you go back to some of the songs, you can hear him talking about that, the New York, you know, driving out to get the album deal. Him and Slim got in a car crash. Uh, Ash had rented a car for them because they couldn't <laughs> rent a car. Oh, no. Um, you know, Ash has always been like, you know, the mentor, the sister, the whole thing like that. But I think it was interesting something you said, and you just don't get this with all the artists, but like, because he's in a comfortable family environment, like I love that even though I'm fairly new to two years and play, a, a, I think a, a really interesting role for him. Um, when you're brought into that environment, cause he's had these people as family, even Dante, you know, Reed is security guard, everybody. It's just really great. And then it's just not hard for him to take you in. Right. Like if you looked at from Stubbs where you guys got some photos, you kind of hung out, but then like after the show at ACL, there was like hugs, backstage, high fives, and he makes, you're now part of that, right? And I think that's a big difference. I've brought people with other artists that I was involved in even before management, um, just because my athletes, right? Because we're all in the music industry too. If you're in sports, it's a mutual admiration society, I call it. But mm -hmm. like, you don't get that same reaction. It could be a week later and the artist is like, who is that again or whatever? And it's like, you know, he's, he's really special for a lot of stuff that he still struggles with and, and what he's on his own journey with. He never fails us for these type of situation. It was interesting. We were walking backstage yesterday and he was talking to Omar, the, the head of Live Nation. And he was saying about like that next kid in the crowd is the next editor of Rolling Stone, possibly the next me or Jay-Z or whoever else. And he wasn't comparing, but he's like, that was Jay for me. Like I was, uh, remember when the Obama, he was saying in the election, you got free tickets if you went and registered to vote. 
Yeah. His, um, I don't know if that's the right word, baby mom. That's probably not the right word, but the, the mother to his, his, his daughter, she went and registered to vote, got tickets to Jay-Z. And that's how Machine Gun Kelly got to go see Jay-Z in no 2008. Shit. Yeah, like that was it. And so for him, that was that moment because Jay was so good, whatever. And so I thought that analogy of like the reason he performs like this, the reason he does this stuff, that he's very intuitive to that. Um, and I don't think he'll ever forget that no matter what. I mean, he's obviously well beyond a legend already and successful. Yeah. And I think, well, and you said, you know, we got pictures that, that that's underselling what happened. We, we, we had an experience with him and, and I've been around enough celebrities where like, I know my place, like, doesn't matter how close you and I are, like they're meeting people every single night. And so I'm very attuned to that. And I'm not trying to become best friends or chat them up. Thanks for having us, whatever. But he, he cares. He cares about the people who come in. He gave each one of the kids a genuine hug and said, thanks. Like he was literally walking out to perform and came over to, there were five kids, obviously he knows Jet, but two of my kids and their friends, like, thanks for coming and give the girls a double hug. And it's like, kids, I just want you to know that this isn't what happens. Like this is special. He's different. And um, just, just acknowledge that. And I mean, the fact that when we were taking those pictures, He's like, no, no, <laughs> you were doing the best you could. But he's like, Olivia, I don't take good photos. Olivia, come yeah. over here. He goes, we need a fire photo. Yeah. And so she got one with the kids. And, yeah. and then he looks at me and goes, y'all need a fire photo too. I don't think he said y'all, but you, you need a fire photo too. That yeah. one. Yeah. So we did yeah. a, like Steve doesn't take photos well. He was just, apparently. he just wants everyone to have a great experience. Yeah. And I, I was just blown away. Again, I've been around enough athletes, celebrities to, I mean, I can't, I don't understand what that's like. And, and so I give them the space and yeah, I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes, but for him to be really present with everyone there when he's about to go perform was, was really special. And as you said, the next day, you know, at ACL, when they're getting ready to, to roll out of there, they've had two big nights. He's still giving us the attention and the hug and thank you. And it was special, man. Like it was like a, a genuine connection that he makes with people that, and, and I had asked you about that uh, after Stubbs and, and the answer I probably could have intuited was basically we're, we're not bringing people in who, who aren't leading with the heart. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's the nature of what you're creating right now. It's the family. That's the name of your, your agency. And I'd love for you, we're going to get into the, the, you know, your whole story, but I'd love for you just maybe to talk about what your, your life in that world has been and what the shift was and, you know, how you're looking at it differently than you were in the past. Yeah. So like, it's funny, the family is the original company in 1998. I, um, I, by default, um, had an opportunity to work with snowboarders, um, and represent them. And it was literally a weird story, which most people can go find the story, which was- Let's get into it actually, because this story's so cool too. It was was an incident. Uh, You know, I was on the marketing brand side, working for uh, a snowboard company in San Diego, um, who grabbed me from when I opened the very first snowboard shop in Beaver Creek, Colorado, when I got hurt skiing and fell in love with snowboarding. And uh, that shop became pretty cool. It was a really good time to be there. Like, Austin music or Nashville for music, right? It's like, it was a good time to be there for snowboarding. The best snowboarders in the world, the pro snowboarders in the world, which was small, but it was starting to grow. 
87, 88, 89, you know, very small, but right around 89, 90, it started to really climb. There was no X games yet, but it was, it was getting pretty big. And, uh, I was, you know, I was in a position to, um, had gotten injured, met Dr. Stedman, the Stedman clinic, which today is now Ken Roxon, you know, Tiger Woods, all the athletes in the world have gone there for surgery. Um, Dr. Stedman's much older in his eighties now, but he had helped me out and I didn't have insurance. And, you know, the way I moved there on a Greyhound bus with nothing was not going to be easy to be at the Stedman clinic, which is probably one of the best sought after places to go to. But he said, you should try snowboarding. I was like, I hate snowboarders. Like I was a skier. I was a jock. I grew up playing football and just by default got into skiing and that sort of stuff. And he's like, well, you're not going to ski anytime soon. Just the way you got injured in this, this scar on this side, just a compound fracture of the knee and just, you know, the back and just all these things. And so long story longer, I, I ended up falling in love with snowboarding after I got on the mountain that following spring. And, um, you know, a year after that or so, uh, a really great guy, Jimmy and I, um, were working for Vail Associates, a place called Fresh Tracks. And, uh, we said, it's a ski shop, but we had a little snowboard shop corner. And we're like, you got it. These guys are different. These kids are different. And, uh, we should open a snowboard shop only. And I remember Kent Myers at the time, I think he was president or vice president. We always have been able to get to the right people said, that's the dumbest idea I ever heard. Long story, 1989, we opened the very first snowboard shop in Beaver Creek, Colorado called uh, The Other Side. Fast forwarding, going to San Diego in 95, 96. That's a great name, by the way. The Other the Side. The Other Side. Yeah. That's yeah, dope. Cool. Yeah. Funny enough, it was literally on the other side of that ski shop. That's <laughs> See? So it's like, and it's skiing, the other side yeah. of snowboarding. You get that? It's See, it's all I got that. I got the second piece, the <laughs> yeah. first piece. That's nice. Yeah. Um, so... When I came out to San Diego, um, the reason is Bert Lamar had heard through my shop. We had the best pros in town. And I started to help them just as an entrepreneur also myself. I think you're born with it. I've gotten lucky. These kids were cool. We were doing cool stuff around the shop. We had a van that we toured around like Jackson Hole. Like our shop became kind of known, not just in the area, because of the pros living in Vail. Um, and I was roommates with some of them. So you would actually travel to other yeah, spots. Yeah, just like go with... do trips together with the team. And we had a, you know, a van that said the other side on it. It was like an old van you wouldn't have your kids get into, like that type <laughs> of thing, like kind of creepy, weird. <laughs> but um, I took that mentality. And then, you know, I think snowboard industry was just exploding. And Bert kind of saw that. He's like, look, this guy gets in the van. He does it like the shop. I wonder if we do this for our brand. So I built a team at Lamar that was next level. Like X Games came along and Jimmy and Kevin Jones, we won every metal except a couple. So I built the team for them. And then I was marketing and sales and kind of everything for a small brand. And one year Reebok was coming in the sport. Um, and they wanted to get skaters, motocross, kind of everything. Sean Palmer legend. They had him, they had the snowboarder ninja, Jay Isaacs. We called him who was, by the way, I met in Vail Road from my shop, ended up working for me one day. And today he's one of the best snowboard agents, not with me, but with my other firm, which we'll, we'll get there. My old firm. Um, he ended up becoming an agent. So from snowboard guy to pro snowboard, whatever. And, you know, Mark McMorris, very famous, like gold medalist, sure. medalist, you know, he's, that's his guy. He still lives in Vail, Jay Ninja, uh, Ninja does. But um, they, Reebok came in and signed all these guys. And, you know, it just was a very short lived thing. Often back then when corporate companies or mainstream companies, very different now, Nike, everybody's accepted. But back then it was really difficult. And so even with the cool guys they got, they had a great guy named Nick Adcock who had went on to be the CEO of DC Shoes to Spider to a lot of things. But at the time was in the marketing there and Sal Masakela uh, was working in there. And so they built a really good team. 
long story, Kevin comes into the office one day. He was my top pro snowboarder, one of, and a very, very close friend in my wedding, the whole thing. And, and just came in, he was really bummed. And he's like, Reebok just fired me. Box. They don't want to do it. Didn't work. Well, they went to the trade show and all that, but nobody got it. Retailers are like, it's still Reebok. You're it's not still, cool. It's like, such, it's, it's the, box it's, footwear. It's like, the unsexiest brand yeah. out there right. to this day. Yeah. So um, they said they fired me. And he had left a really credible brand. I was his board sponsor to go with them because it's good money. Back then, that was money. I don't remember the exact amount, but it was, you know, near six figures a year, maybe hmm. 80 grand, 90 grand. And for a snowboarder in 1996 or whenever this was, seven, 97, 98, that's a lot of money. Um, anyway, I ended up cold calling Reebok as his agent. Kevin basically like, just be my agent. I'm like, what, what the fuck? Are you, what are you talking about? Can we swear on this thing? Yeah. Oh, fuck, the, fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, yeah, just call up. And so, uh, random cold call, didn't get a call. I was like, okay, we'll have somebody call you. Finally calls back. And this is in the cell phone. This is like, I'm giving them like a landline, oh, yeah. hoping a call would come back. And sure enough, we're seeing this shit and I get a call back. And, uh, guy says, uh, uh, we're expecting a call like this because they had fired everybody kind of, I don't know everybody's story, but they had let go a lot of it. And basically I said, look, I don't think it's fair. I think he should be paid. Uh, he's got a three-year contract. I think they lasted about a year or whatever else. And oh, so they're trying to cancel short, the rest of yeah, the, okay. Yeah, they're trying to cancel the rest of the term because they're done with this. So uh, I ended up getting them a settlement. I ended up getting them money. I don't think anybody else got money. I yeah. think they all walked away. And that's, the rest is history. Uh, I lasted about another year and then, you know, kind of did some other stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like, man, maybe I can be an agent. There was, mind you, in 1998, when I started, no agents in this sport. Okay. Snowboarding, skateboarding, for sure not BMX. You know, maybe there's somebody helping people or whatever, but there was no agent. So I guess in a lot of ways, I became the first action sports agent and launched the family in 1998. Uh, and it just kind of went nuts. Next thing you know, the snowboarders are friends with skateboarders. The skateboarders are friends with motocross. Travis Pastrana jumps in the bay at 16, who's still my client. And now uh -huh. today, judging with Simon Call Cowell this week, uh, America's Got Talent. Um, so, you know, I've been with him for 20-something years. Um, it kind of just spread. And then, you know, showed up at X Games, I think, one summer. This is not even my real sport, but snowboarding was in. It was actually in San Diego. Snowboarding was in the summer uh, X Games. They have a big jump. And so it was just a vibe. Everybody's getting along. And funny, I was telling the story the other day, Austin, Texas was the first uh, MTV sports and music festival. And they had skateboarding and snowboarding here and music. Got to bring that back, by the way. It was a great time. Sounds um, like and so Sean White was skating at 13 back then. And it was Bob Burnquist, Tony Hawk, the whole crew. And all of a sudden I just had everybody, Dave Mira, Travis Pastrana, Ryan Nyquist, Bob Burnquist, Danny Way, these legends of action sports. And I showed up and I think like majority of those years in X Games, I think if there was, and I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, maybe there's 40, 30 medals in the X Games. I think I had like 28. No Just shit. in my firm, the family. It was just dominating. Um, and always, you know, again, lucky in the, in the story with that was I knew just enough to be dangerous when I did this. And I was like, I can represent these guys. Like didn't graduate high school, definitely didn't go to college. But I, um, when I was in Vail, there was a guy named Steve Conley and, and they were IMG. I, I knew, you know, it was Mark McCormick. And if you were even oh, yeah. wanted to be an athlete, or if you ever knew anything about sports, you knew IMG. I mean, that's the legend. Mm -hmm. um, and funny enough, his story was kind of in a different way, but similar in the sense that nobody was representing tennis players or golfers. He was the first one and then turned it into football and everything else. But that was his, how he cut his teeth. 
So I reached out to IMG. I knew somebody in that business and I knew they had dabbled in skiing. They had done some skiers and that's how they had this veil presence. And then this guy, I think his name is Steve Conley. I don't know if he's there anymore. Anyway, hey, what do you think of this? I'm going to represent snowboard. What a, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. So it's like now the second time I've heard this from really smart people in my life. And I'm like, well, fuck these guys. Like every time a real smart person tells me this, the dumb guy goes and figures it out. So I'm going to go do this again. So I launched the family. Um, 2002 had goals to expand. I didn't come from any money. And a small, an investor, Austin Hearst, the Hearst family. Uh, oh, sure. Met him through an athlete I was working for, but it just wasn't a right fit for me. And um, was blessed to come around a young man, a couple years younger than me. I came from a really good family. His grandfather, Lou Wasserman, was a mentor. And I was about to sell to Omnicom, Radiate, big group, huge group. And uh, Casey came down to my office in Carlsbad, California. It was a small office at that time, about 18 employees. We were doing well. We were a nice little business. I had a passion for golf. I wanted to expand in that. I knew that I, I felt that the way my sports were marketed, which again, I got lucky. That's kind of how it is then. Before social media, we were selling product through VHS. I'd make a snowboard film. That's how we sold product. We didn't have television, Yeah, right? We had X Games. That's not enough. Skate brands were built on VHS, then DVD. And then social media. Well, there's what's the old school social media? You're watching content, contents, content. So kids were buying VHS videos of their favorite snowboarders or skateboarders. So we kind of always had a cheat on that. And I felt like, well, you can market golfers like that for sure. And then you can market NBA, whatever. And Casey wanted to do mainstream what I was doing in action sports. And I wanted the money to grow my business sure. and to monetize in a bigger way, maybe events and try consulting and getting this. So he was really bright. I mean, even a couple of years younger than me, really smart to, unlike most wealthy, college educated, like this is stupid. He flipped it on me and goes, if you sell your company to Omnicom or IMG or Octagon, at that time, everybody was after me. Um, five years, let's say five year agreement. He said, you're going to be miserable. You sell hundred percent of the company. I mean, you're an entrepreneur. You're hungry. You're aggressive. Sell me 30%. Let's be partners. And I was like, well, no this shit. is kind of interesting. So he left and we met at the time. The conference room was also my kitchen, <laughs> not, not my home kitchen, but like it was a small office, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, he still would tell that story. Um, and, and so, yeah, we, we partnered and uh, got the deal done in 2003. Didn't sell the whole company. I was still called the family actually for the beginning of it. And uh, acquisitions, we just started going like this and it was great. Um, had a lot of fun. And just grew in 2004 or five. It was so good, which I was always nervous about people that I took on two years. I used to have a real, I think, I think we all do. And I still do, but let's just say back then I had a, always, the sky was going to fall mm -hmm. and a very large insecurity, whether that be in my relationships with women, whether that be in life or whether that be for sure in business, because I came from nothing. I, I lived on food stamps. I went to a food bank with my mom to get groceries. I, I had the free lunch ticket, that embarrassment. And I never wanted my children, but I definitely did not ever think I was going to make it, right? Mm -hmm. So the sky was always falling, that insecurity. So sometimes I took deals too soon. Like yeah, for the security. Austin Hurst. I mean, he, he got a good chunk of my company for like basically pay me a salary so I could knew I could eat. Because when I started the family, I had nothing. Yeah. And I kid, you know, I'm going through this process. And so with Casey, it was interesting when he approached it that way. But then what happened was we were acquiring companies and the blue chips were getting bigger. And my red chips were kind of the family over here staying the same. Oh. And I was involved. Like I was heavily being the entrepreneur in the business with Casey and Mike Watts and some other people that are no longer there also uh, at the time. And Mike and Casey are still partners in there. 
And so I had the freedom to be an entrepreneur and, and the rest is history. I, I merged the rest of the company into Wasserman, got some equity in Wasserman. There was only a few partners. Um, and fast forward 18 years later, we built 1,600 employees, I think, when I left and over 1,200 athletes. Um, I got heavily involved in golf and launching that, got heavily involved with the NBA and working with Clay Thompson and some other people and, uh, you know, football, just the way we, we diversified to, I would argue, if you take away IMG and, you know, CA, they got actors and this and this, as far as a core sports agency and what Wasserman and Casey built. And I hope, uh, you know, I think I had a little bit of involvement in that, um, would be the largest sports representation agency in the world. Um, and, and what he allowed me to do during that 18 years was to be an entrepreneur. Um, my sweet spot was always thinking outside the box, like let's go take equity instead of cash. Let's go build brands. Let's do this. Let's invest over here. And, um, let's do creative. I was directing commercials for Ricky Fowler two years ago, three years ago now, four years ago, almost every one of his commercials was actually directed, produced. I mean, you go look at the behind the scenes of, uh, by me. No shit. Dustin Johnson, my, my good friend still at Royal Bank of Canada, RBC up at um, Ryder Cup with them last week. We're all reminiscent. I, I shot, we didn't even represent him. This is how I got known in the industry to do it a little different, kind of <laughs> like action sports. Um, I produced Dustin Johnson and directed Dustin Johnson's RBC commercials that you see. No uh, how crazy shit. is that? And he was represented by another, and a great guy who I love his agent. And his agent would sit there and go, how do you do this? And it's just the way we were raised in action sports. When you managed athletes, you managed their brand. They were a brand. Like all athletes want to do that now. That's not that old of a thing. You know, Clay Thompson's father, if you got a shoe deal and you just played basketball, yeah. you didn't care about social. There was no social media. You weren't being paid to go do brand deals. You weren't thinking of yourself as a brand. I mean, think about LeBron now, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Those are brands. And that transitioned in an in a, in a era, in a new generation. Um, but I had been doing that. And a lot of my colleagues had been doing that since the 80s. I mean, that's how we built action sports. So it was real natural for me to be aggressive with that and some of the Ricky commercials or some of the DJ commercials, um, some of the basketball, some of the stuff we did. Um, and I found an efficiency. I used to sit there going, why does an ad agency take 12 hours to shoot uh, a commercial? I could do this in four and give you social media and marketing and everything else in one. It's just, it's that efficiency. Um, and so, yeah. Great run, 18, 19 years. What I saw happening and what I'm so excited about the family version two, but it's just the family, but version two was, you know, I think there was some animosity internal, like Casey gave me a lot of freedom to be an entrepreneur. Now, most of the time when you sell your company, you make it five years and then you go do something again as an entrepreneur. But he allowed me to kept reinventing myself. So I never got bored. I never got to that point where it's like, no, I started an agency within an agency. We we're freaking producing commercials for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, we started, we invested in stance socks and did deals for them. Mm. Instead of taking, you know, cash, we did equity. We started a media company, which I'm proud to say two weeks ago sold finally, but had very little money in, but a lot of sweat equity called Hoonigan Media Machine. We started around our client, Ken Block, who founded DC Shoes became a race car driver. We built a media company because he wanted to show his driving through content. Why? Well, he came from snowboarding and skateboarding. That's yeah. what you do in, in his world. And uh, recently just made, you know, Bosserman and, and I had equity still in that. We just sold, um, sold that company. And so those were those unique out of the box thinkings. And I just saw, you know, some other incredible executives at that company that I really admired were definitely a lot brighter than me in a lot of ways. And, and, and they were always, you know, it's kind of like, why does Steve get to do this? 
And then you get that big, you get HR and you get these things. And I just was waking up every day and not because anything Casey did more so probably my brain and what I've done. And, and was just like, this is too much for me. I'm not capable. A good friend of mine, um, I was sitting with one day and two stories. One was someone in this industry, a very big person walking up the golf fairway in Bel Air and said, what do you, what do you miss? And he's like, I miss doing it. It's like, I wake up every day and I, I'm like the head of HR. This is a very large agency and I just don't want to throw him on the spot. And he's like, I miss the talent. I go, Fuck, that's what I love. And I still always did it. I micro manage the hell out of my clients because they mean so much to me. But I was getting distracted. I was doing so much other stuff. So, you know, basically relaunching the family, there was a goal of like, how do you build a culture and how do you do this in a 360 and a mutual admiration society like action sports found me into the NBA and golf and all that. Why not music? Why not artists, photographers? They have a mutual, like I started golfing just like, you know, you and I met yeah. in a lot of ways through Gauzer and family, but golfing. And I started golfing with like a chef who liked Clay Thompson as a basketball player who liked this athlete, Ryan Sheckler. It's like, there's a mutual admiration society there. And so, and I felt like there was a lot of, inefficiencies in the big agency model. Now, pre-COVID, if you look at when I launched, some of the stuff Sports Business Journal wrote about me and stuff was like, my theory was fewer offices. My plan was Nashville, LA, San Diego, and maybe that's it, right? You can have satellites. This is pre-COVID. Now, I know everybody's secret now is this yeah. work from home thing. <laughs> but I had this before that. Yeah. I mean, there's proof. It's in the writing. <laughs> and, you know, with Wasserman and not a negative, it, you know, this is Casey's company. There's one, one guy on the wall and I kept looking at it going, I can't really be an entrepreneur anymore. We are too big with between the HR issues, this and this and this. We're just too big of a company. So it was time for me to depart. And I left friends that have, were with me, by the way, that there's at least a dozen people that were with me prior to, I take a lot of pride in this, prior to Wasserman with the family. They're no still there. Shit. Two of them, including Ninja yeah. and Blair, who's one of my best friends. I you met, met Blair yeah, we up at Gaza. Together. Yeah, yeah. They're still at Wasserman. They were in my family office the other day, just coming to visit and shoot the shit. I didn't want to hurt anything. Nobody, there's not that. We still share clients. Um, Casey last night, he was there with his son, FaceTimed me because somebody said, Casey's here. I was like, what? So we were FaceTiming. He was still at the show much later than I made it. Yeah. Um, you know, he's like a brother to me. On a personal level, I would do anything for that guy. And he's done a lot for me without him because I did not have money. I didn't have the infrastructure. I didn't have the lawyers, the accountants. And he taught me a lot. Uh, and the group taught me a lot. Mike Watts, the president there, she's just blessed to learn from them. But a friend of mine, um, that one walk down the fairway woke me up. That was probably about eight months prior to actually exiting Wasserman. And the other one was learning from two really good CEOs of me going, why do you keep starting over? Why do you keep bouncing around? They said, Steve, I'm good at about 50 employees, maybe 20 million. That's where I'm a good CEO. And then my next guy, he's good to about a hundred million. And then over that, that's a whole different CEO. And you have thousands of employees and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I'm probably still overdoing it. But I, I was like, I think I'm good to about a hundred, maybe. And I, yeah. and I definitely don't even know that, right? It's like, I just, I'm not a CEO of a company that big. Now, I also learned finally, as you remove your insecurity, I found that the true statement, I used to say it like, oh, I like being the dumbest one in the room, which fact was not the case. I yep. actually like wanted to be the guy. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with smarter people. And so I felt like, again, just like I had that moment with the snowboard shop and with Wasserman and joining that partnership and launching the family was, there's a different way to do this. I'm going to do a 360 service. I'm going to be more, I'm going to, I want to bring in the super agent or train a 
a, a manager agent in a different way. One that understands the marketing, not transactional. This, this business has got very transactional agents. Like you do your deal and that's, that's that. Get your piece. And by the way, by leadership down, it is that. It's revenue, 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 revenue. By the way, those equity deals I was doing, those got fewer and fewer because our CFOs and our banks and everything that, no, no fault. That's a big company. You got to pay the bills. Uh, you can't take equity deals. Those don't pay off as fast. I mean, Hoonigan was at 10, eight, nine years, whatever it is before you exit. Very nice exit for everybody, sure. but it takes time. And so when you have any business, when you start, and this should be for people that if they listen on the business side, when you start even pre-COVID or during COVID, when you start a business and you start looking at paying rent, that takes away and then you start looking at hiring more people, that takes away. There's only two ways to grow a, co a company if you're not hitting your nose. You either cut expenses or go find more revenue. And mm -hmm. finding more revenue is not the easiest thing in the world, yeah. right? Pre-COVID, pre, pre, uh, 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 even more so too. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I can talk about it forever, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's exciting to be back doing the family. Um, you know, we're a tight team right now. I think uh, I also launched a brand incubator called Unlisted Brand Lab. Now that's where we're launching the brands from because I knew that was very important to my business and the success I had with Artist Sport or Stance or Hoonigan and these other brands. Athletes, musicians wanting to launch brands, which coming up here, we're launching a nail polish company. And I never thought I'd say this with Machine Gun Kelly, unisex nail polish no called shit. Undone. So that's done out of my brand incubator. And the funny part about that, Candy Harris, who's the CEO, she worked for the original family and went on to do some amazing, incredible things, including being a founder and CMO, chief creative officer of Stance. And when I left to do the family, we always stayed in touch. She was like, I'm so proud of you. And she goes, I'm kind of dead end too. And I looked at her and I said, why do you want to do a one brand, which you could do for multiple? And she goes, what the hell are you talking about? And I was like, I want to do a brand incubator. And I want to start with real business plans and real things. When athletes get these friends that go, we're going to start a restaurant or bar. It's like, Fuck. nah, -uh. yeah. we're going to go look at a business plan. Is this, is there a white space? Does this make, make sense? So we launched that together about two months after I launched the family. And so. I love that. And I, I think it was, it's so, it makes perfect sense as you, as you explain it, because there's, you know, I think about when I, I had Lance on the podcast and he talked about, he called it the flywheel and he's got the podcast. He gets um, obviously a large audience there and he starts to introduce products that he loves, you know, and, 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 he says, look, I don't, there are things that I read ads for sure, but stuff that we talk about in the podcast that we're using is products I love. And some of them I'm invested in, some of them I'm not. And it's such a great way to launch brands, to grow brands when there is that connection. You know, I've heard from many people that to hire someone, you've got a product like feel free, right? Like this stuff that, that, that I'm involved with. And I know you've enjoyed you go out to a celebrity and give it to them to, you know, pay them an Instagram model to, to, to hawk it. You're not going to get any traction, but when you get people that are invested in that and say, I love this. Like I fucking. Authenticity. I hate to use the word a lot, but it's authenticity. And, and that's it. And, and people Consumer are connected to that. There's, it's real sticky. And that's what you're doing. You're taking that authenticity and putting it together with a brand that means something to like, you know, this nail polish thing with machine gun, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. something he wants to do. So yeah. people are going to, they're going to feel it. And it comes from, it's homegrown now. Yeah. Now you get to manage all that piece of it. 
And then maybe there's crossover. You know, make maybe- sure you don't spend too much money. You know, I, I saw a lot of athletes over my years. I mean, look, I've been doing this now over 20 something years, take, get taken advantage of. Like my buddy and I are gonna start a clothing company. Is there a business plan? No, blah, blah, blah. And back then it's like, I always cared so much. I've talked Ryan Sheckler out of a lot of these. And then Ryan and I have done some ones and we've been very successful. He's, God bless Kobe, but Harden and all that art of sport was James Harden, Kobe. It's a deodorant body yeah. wash company, which Ryan Sheck was involved. Stance, he invested in. He actually never endorsed the product. He believed in it so much, he invested in it. And that's just a big difference in those kind of things. And when you can, you know, for me, that's that non-transactional approach. So, you know, long story longer on that on the family, whether it be my head of NBA, my head of NFL, my uh, music heads, you know, everybody in there, I really think I'm so blessed to find some like-minded people going, we could do this so much different. The women and the men that I work with and something again, by default, I think a lot of the big ones forget, or a lot of businesses forget in a negative way is that your people nowadays too, they're entrepreneurs with you, but they're partners with you. And if you want to keep them, there's got to be equity. And so for me, that's very important. I mean, I will tell you that everyone that's leading these departments has skin in the game. And that was something that I also, I had a 20-year playbook, 18, 19-year playbook with, with Wasserman. We did a lot of incredible things that I will take and use. And that we did that together or I learned. And then we also made some mistakes along the way, like we all do. And one of which is, you know, again, equity is important to people. And, you know, some leadership, they have their own decision, just like I own the majority of the company. It's my decision if I do or don't. IMGs and the, you heard the William Morris Endeavor stories of like people leaving now and stuff because the equity is not really, what is this and this? And so for me, that was also very important because man, I think my next chapter, I don't know that this will happen, but I think I got a good, another seven year run in me or so. But if this team, my partners buy me out, I'd be so thrilled. And it's funny. It's like my COO to my, you know, Jacob, to my head of NBA, Kyle, to my head of golf, Rob Muji, who I think you met up at Gauzer too, et cetera. These are 34 or younger. I mean, they got my run. Like that's when I started. If we think about it now going on 50 in November, oh God, 50 in November. I mean, I've been doing this since I was 25 years old and 26 years old, you know, that type of stuff. So these are, these are, People are going to be around for a long time and they love it. And the funny thing is a lot of their mentors were transactional, old school agents. You know, I, I've watched Arntellums, the Steinbergs and all that sort of stuff. You can't change their mentality. Their mentality is, and no offense, look, they've made a great living and a lot of money. You do the deal. That's my job. I do the deal. For me, I don't want to be fragmented, but the diversification allows me to be more involved and really be caring. People might say, look, a lot of people, I could have made a lot more money, maybe different ways, but I really fucking love what I do. Mm. And every one of my clients, I love so much. And I want my other people to feel that same way. You can't force it. And I know I'm going to hit bumps. I'm going to hit people within my company that just don't get it or don't want to get it. And they'll still probably be successful. But, um, you know, for me, I'd be really blessed if I built a business that changed a lot of the way managers and agents think and look at the efficiency to give back to the athlete or the musician. It's about them. Without them, we don't have a job. So if I don't make money because my client calls me and needs help buying a house, I don't make money on that. I'm going to help him do that. If he's going through or she's going through a divorce, I'm going to be there for that. To me, that's the difference. Now that could backfire on you. Some people are like, oh, you're too close to it. You know what? Well, that's what I choose to do because then you know who they can blame? This guy. Yeah. You know, I just, I'd rather not point fingers. So uh, I've been really lucky like that. So hopefully the new family and the family will continue to be that way. And so where are you at right now with like how many agents do you have and how many, how many clients? Yeah. So in music, we're managers and in sports, 
we don't have those same legalities. So in sports, we're either like registered agents. So registered agent, I have in the NFL, the NBA, soon hopefully the NHL, um, and in golf. And then you have managers and stuff. And, and so I believe in that 360 service. So even if we sign a player like, you know, with this whole NIL, it's changing right now. But let's say we sign a player um, in the NFL that's going into the NFL next year. His registered agent will be with one of my registered agents. And then we also would have a manager marketing, social. We're still going to do everything. Whereas, and nothing against this, but but Elise Steinberg will go do Patrick Mahomes. They Everybody knows that as his agent, but they don't realize that all he's doing is his on-field deal. That's he's it. not doing all the drink deals. You see all this stuff. Now, a lot of people are still saying like, well, that's okay. He does that and he's transactional. Then Patrick has this and whatever. I think that's a big mistake. And I'll tell you why. I think the athlete, shoot, that's fragmentation. Yes. That's not being diversified because Lee's done one deal that somehow will affect these other deals. And then you have someone over here doing this deal that will affect the social and digital deal or the licensing deal. So for me, instead of the game of telephone, the kids play and the story starts on one side. Yeah, yeah. And by the time it gets around, it's a totally complete story. Like yeah. Shelly did kiss him. <laughs> nope, Shelly didn't kiss him. It was Lisa. But the story, you know, there's no consistency. Um, that's what I'm trying to do. It's not a control thing. It's more just the consistency and the branding and the authenticity and the marketing. And again, for an athlete, I will surround ourselves with smarter people. We will find the right person. But it's like a chief of staff role. Mm-hmm. We are liable. Let's be, let's make sure that we get this straight, that you can point this finger. Uh, you know, if something goes wrong in that other bigger circle, it's like, well, was that Lee's fault? Or is that this? It's like, no, 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 we're a family. We're going to figure this out together. That's it. Got we it. brought that person in. We brought the financial advisor from Morgan Stanley. I want my clients to have a relationship, but like, I, those are smart people. And I've learned, you need to have people watching other smart people, yeah, right? This you is do. a big world and athletes, musicians, they got a job to do just like we, we all do. Well, so I'm about, I, I don't want to misquote. So we have, um, cause I'll separate unlisted is the brand lab. So core family, I think we're up to 20 something employees. So you have about uh, nine or 10, you know, day-to-day athlete agents and stuff, athlete services, marketing, that type of stuff. Um, couple people, one person that's really important to me, Cassie, who started as my assistant now leads our athlete services and, and marketing side of the business, kind of mother to everything. Um, she was with me at Wasserman. So she left me and she's, she left with me at Wasserman. Um, so, th- so that was really great to have the pluses of that yearbook and how long she was there. And she's been up with me since day one, not day one, but a lot of the grind and changes at the family. So, uh, we got a good team, good, 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 good group of people. So tell me this, I'm a, I'm an athlete or I'm a musician and I want to be, I, w- I want to be part of the family. What would, um, preclude me from being able to, to join the family? Like what, what are some, who, like, what are some of the characteristics of, of, of men and women that you've turned away? So, and this isn't, once again, I think there's something, someone's going to find someone everywhere. For me, I don't think I can get up. I, I will never. As long as I have even a sliver of doing this still, um, I, I think it's a broken model. If in, Let's just go per sport. People will be very successful, but I think it's a big, I don't think you can manage 33 golfers. I don't care how big of a firm you are. If you have the best football players in the world, one of those football players, if all four of them are really great, and maybe there's 30 others, how's number nine, who's still really great, getting paid attention to? I don't care how big you are. It's just, there's only so many corporate brands. There's already so marketing. So someone that maybe is not a good fit for us is someone that actually still wants to just go play football and doesn't give a shit about anything else. Because there's a lot of really great transactional agents. Doesn't mean we wouldn't consider it, 
But for us, there's that Machine Gun Kelly. You think about his diversification. He's in three movies. Mm. He's coming out with a movie called Morning with a U that he directed, wrote, co-directed, wrote, and produced, and starred in. He just, Last Son's coming out, a Western movie he played. He was, you know, the dirt, Tommy Lee. Loved it. Right? Yeah. And then brands love him from a marketing side. So he's an artist, musician. He's the full package. He's a model. We've seen him in the John Varvados ads, whatever. That's somebody that I felt as management, along with the crew that I joined, that I could add value to. Experience, efficiency, sure, on the business side, I think. I think I'm doing a a really good job mentoring him. Um, But- He's the full package um, for us. And, you know, if you look, even Travis Pastrana, I mean, I can go all the way back to the old school guys. They're the full package. I mean, he's judging. He's a race car driver. He's going to go do the Daytona 500 next year because he, he can. Really? He's a motocross racer. So in football, since we are new, there's a few that we're, we're, we're recruiting right now. And in same in basketball, you know, the basketball example would be, you know, for me, like the next Russell, the next, you know, LeBron, the next James Harden, who... The guy that's the head of my MBA was working with Harden at a different firm. Um, and then the Clay Thompson example for me, you know, when Clay left Duffy to come to Wasserman, we didn't get his on-court deal. How weird is this? It was the opposite because that was already done. He came to us and Ryan Sheckler and him were very good friends. And Joe McLean, his financial advisor was like, you got to go meet with Steve. They're doing stuff different. And I was so blessed to even just get the chance to work with him and sign him. And the part of that deal was, I don't, I want to do more marketing deals. I want to have social media. You know, his personality is so special and he's so much better on his own right now in the sense of where he's coming to his own on social media. But when we got him, he hated that shit in a way. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to deal with it. Wanted to play basketball. One of the best, if not best shooter in the league. Butter. One of the best human beings and is so passionate about winning, being a teammate and everything. But didn't have a lot of marketing deals. And the one deal he had when he came over was chocolate milk and he's lactose intolerant. And I'm like, Ugh. talk about non-authentic. I remember shooting the last thing we owed. He was like spitting the cup on me. He's like, Steve, I can't drink this. <laughs> I'm sorry that people know that now, but it's facts. He's lactose. Like that wasn't the right deal. So we started to get partnerships. Mm. We actually, you know, kind of with Greg Lawrence, who, who's still his agent at Wasserman, we started just doing really great stuff. Redoing the show, shoot program, but not just the transactional deal, actually doing the social media excuse me, and creative and marketing for the shoe brand through Washington. And then we got, you know, we partnered them with Wheels Up and BMW and Body Armor. And these things were coming around and did an international deal with Monster, you know, just different things so that we were proving as a business to get his on-court deal, right? Which yes. again, then he ended up getting in, he's Wasserman 360. But that was a good example of like, how much you can invest in someone knowing you're going to have the on-court and that sort of stuff. So, you know, for I'm long-winded with these things because I am so excited and passionate about these Mm. things that I talk about. But the simplicity would be uh, we're looking for people that transcend their sport or their profession, right? They're outliers. They're outliers. Um, I'm probably, as a startup, the stupidest thing I ever heard because there's guys that can make us a lot of money and women that can make us a lot of money. I just, I want to give it a try this way. But you've learned that it's not, it's not it. It's It's just hard to look at a a player or or an athlete and say, you're part of 40 others. Um, I think, and don't hold me to this, every sport's different. But I think in football and basketball and, and, and hockey, I don't know that we'll ever be in baseball. I think it's a real transactional business. Okay. Wasserman had the most marketable ones and those guys work really hard. And I don't think they, you know, maybe there'll be another Piazza 
That guy was for me, you know, the glasses like yeah. that. I would have had fun with yeah. John Carlos Stanton is a beast. He's a model. He's good looking and all that, but you know what? He just wanted to play baseball, getting him to do a marketing deal. It's just really, really tough. But, um, I think six or seven in football, six or seven in NBA, and you can really do an incredible job. Yeah. As they transition, you might at one point have 10 because there's two retiring. You know, you had Tracy McGrady, but he was phasing out. So, you know, you bring in somebody else, that type of stuff. Yeah. So, but that's kind of, I think, the sweet spot. In order to deliver the service we want to, and we're still fully young, and I'm going to have partners I have to trust. You know, Eric Eastman and Alex Flanagan on my NFL side, they, you know, they're not even going to agree, which is okay. And, and we're going to have some slips along the way, but um, I'm going to try and stay, and we are going to stay very true to this, but we'll make some exceptions. And I'm not going to say it's always the Patrick Mahomes. There's this kid, Phil, out of Alabama. He's a lineman. It's personality, but, but you just got to market them different. Yes. You know, they're not quarterbacks and receivers, but I believe if, if we commit to each other like we are, we're already doing, working with him in the NIL, the no-brainer was Braden Galloway with 180,000 followers, looks like a model, six foot four, gorgeous at Clemson. The one that we'll show success with is Big Phil from Alabama, who's not the quarterback, good, you know, good looking in his own way. Sure. You know, this is a big man. Right. But his personality, like Traeger Grills we're working with. Like, let's get some barbecue oh, going. Go. Let's go to Kings Ford. Let's go. And and I don't think, I know there are out there, but for me, that's how I'm always doing it. And don't you dare tell me I can't. Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm trying to get my team and my other partners on the same page with too, which well, I think they are. Well, a couple of things come up for me. One, actually, I'm, I'm curious how um, you and Kels got together. But before you get into that, um, I love what you said. I'm sure I could make a lot more money. And I think this is something that, that I just really want to hone in on because you've made the money and you've had the money. And um, I've had a similar experience. And spent the money and made mistakes as young, <laughs> but yeah. and you just yeah. there's you understand that we're told that's the thing, and then you get it, and you get more, and you get more, and you get more, and then finally you wake up one day, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's, it's not it. Fuck, it's not it. So what is it? And that's what I feel like I'm hearing in in, in the energy around family 2.0 is what is going to make me wake up every morning and feel alive? What is going to bring us closer together? How are, how are we going to create loyalty and excitement amongst our family here? What is it going to be? Because the transactional thing, yeah, you can crank out dough. But what you're doing is you're getting, like you said, at the risk of becoming, quote unquote, too close for, you know, yeah. for some people. Yeah. Oh, well, you'll go down with that ship because that's who you are. Yeah. You've tapped into that part of you, which I think is probably very rare in that business. Um, I would say just myself as a trader, right? Different, but the same. Like there's not a lot of guys there who are tapping into yeah. that part of themselves, right? And so I, I, I understand what that's meant for me, how I do things differently now, how I you know, live my entire life yeah. differently around that. And I so, admire the way you do that. Sure, Thank especially you. as a father and a, and a husband, and you know, sitting in your beautiful home and understanding that process it takes. It takes a lot because we as men, and sometimes I get emotional with this stuff, is that you know I wasn't the same father for my daughter, for my other son. A lot of people don't even know he exists, but and as I am for Jet, my youngest, and I'm ashamed of that in some ways, but in other ways, it's just part of that process and that journey. And I'm still so far away from finishing that journey. But what I do know is how Jet will hold my hand 
and how jet, and I don't even know if I remember my daughter ever doing it. It's just a different relationship. And that's on me. I used to think the more I worked, so my dad, I grew up in, a, in, in, in you know, again, I've, I haven't, I don't use the word I've forgiven him because of my ayahuasca journey, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. But what I do is I understand him. He was raised by a man that beat the shit out of him and was an alcoholic. I've, I don't do either one of those things, but he, what he took on to me was the abuse part, not the alcohol. He never drank, my father. Um, but I'll give him credit. That man worked his fucking ass off as a factory worker and sometimes at a grocery store that night for the night shift, okay? Or driving the Zamboni. And he, and he was a workaholic. So what did I get past? So here's that generation, right? Is I don't hit my kids, never have laid a hand on my children. Not a huge drinker. We all like to have fun, but I'm not an alcoholic. Sure. But I, boy, did I inherit the workaholic thing from my father. So that's what I took from him. Yeah. But what I also didn't realize is that here's a father that was abusive and all this sort of stuff where, okay, well, I'm not going to do any of that, but I'm going to be the workaholic still. And I forgot about the part that, and I'm not going to be poor. We were very fucking poor. Let's get, especially after the divorce and my mom had split. I think, you know, I remember times when we were, when they were married, living with my, my mom's mom's house, we did okay. My dad was trying to work his way up in the factory and the water company and this sort of stuff. But I think it was also a different time. And my mom's, my grandmother had a little bit of money left over. Her, her husband and left was in the coal and, and, and different business. And so I remember as a baby, there being a moment, but you know, they were divorced fairly young and we were extremely, and it went bad living in car type situation. Um, not from my father, cause he could grind it out, but, um, he made decisions to not, you know, support my mom. Um, and funny enough, I used to blame her for that. Right. And this, yeah, this crazy shit. So, um, with jet and, and so prior to that, when I did this, it was like, I'm going to work my ass off. My daughter and other side will be fine. They're going to be fine. I'm going to work my ass off. Cause guess what? They're not going to be poor. And what you don't realize is they don't give a fuck. You know, deep down, it's time and Buddy. it's passion and it's being with your kids because I have friends that have known me for a very long time that will come back and go, holy shit, how you and Jed are. Uh, and and Beautiful. every time they say that, it's though, but fuck, I really fucked up. Like I fucked up and you, you can't go back, right? You get through these journeys and you forgive yourself or whatever else, but you know, back to the money thing. And, and, and again, even at Wasp, I think it, you know, <laughs> I know by far is probably the highest paid base salary agent sure outside of what you know i made a lot of money i was very well taken care of um but you still don't make all the right decisions because of that and mm -hmm. i think i think part of what i'm seeing now um i know for a fact i'm way happier no matter what the circumstances are for what happened and what i did and the changes i've made i know i'm getting there I know I'm, I'm getting close to that journey moment. I know we'll always have to work, but I'm getting close to that moment to realizing that, you know what, Jet's going to be okay. No matter what, he's going to be okay. He's going to figure it out. My daughter's going to be okay. And so you got to let down that insecurity of, and realizing, and, and someone asked me this, and this is, you know, for my team to hear this, sometimes I open up on these podcasts way too much, but for my team to hear this, the journey I've had since I started this business, if you said today, if you could do it over again, would you? I said, no, no, I wouldn't. But I've now committed to people that I love and I care for. So this journey will continue. And we will kick ass and win together. But, I, you know, it's just, I, even in the last two years, I've realized things. Why, you know wouldn't, why wouldn't you? It's a lot. It's a lot. Of, it, it, you know, it's going to take to be a startup again and an entrepreneur. And I'm doing it in a lot of ways. I'm starting brands with these clients. I'm doing a lot of different stuff and diversifying, not fragment. But I, I think still part of that little insecurity and ego 
of like, well, shit, I just left the biggest and the baddest and the best. I better at least be at the level I'm going to do it that way. Yeah. You know, and maybe, maybe that won't be as long of a ride for me. I think I'm going to do this the rest of my life one way or another. But, you know, I made a decision a few weeks ago. I've been looking for a CEO, <laughs> you know, I just, I just, you know, it's tough. It's a tough business. And I put a lot of money into this already and a lot of sweat and effort. And I know we, they will succeed probably more than I will. My team, I, I, I think these, this team is starting to gel, but, um, you know, Gauzer is probably part of this to make me realize that if I had done a few things different, I maybe could, the people like yourself and some others that I really admire the time and effort they put into their children, I might've done it a little different this time. And I, I, I might've been able to be a Gauzer a little bit more, and I might've been able to do some other things. And and maybe even back to that story of probably ended up with more money than in, <laughs> in the beginning. Um, so, you know, your original question, I haven't really answered, but it's, it, it's, you know, money, unfortunately we need money to survive, but I, I, you know, one of these visions I had is someday, hopefully, like I remember one of the happiest moments in my life is just teaching people how to ski and snowboard in the mountains of Vail. Yeah. Simplicity. You know, you not keeping like, up with the Joneses and all this bullshit. You know? Do you feel like there's some element of that in um, the people you're bringing in to the family and that you're teaching them a different skill, but this is years of experience and you're, you're kind of passing that along? I mean, does that land at all or is it I, very I different? It. I see it. I hope so. Um, and I think they see it. I think, um, you know, there's several team members already. Some, some are just going to find their own path and their own journey. and others. I am so proud to say, and I don't mean this in any egotistical way, that I think some of them are literally, it's funny, the version V 2.0, people said, I wonder if you could ever dub Steve. I'm, I, please take this the right way. <laughs> um, I am fucking different. <laughs> I don't expect anybody to work as hard to do it. I just don't. I don't know if it's, I, I think it is part of my insecurity that I'll never eliminate. It just, it's just the way I do things. You may. Maybe you're on an and, interesting and I'm gonna path go. I'm right going now. back you, in January, February to do some more. I yeah, maybe that'll be the next, well, that's the next it. step, you, but I'm struggle with that. I will say, you know, Rob and I don't even need to name all of them. They're, they're, I see some, some pretty exciting things in the future for these people. And hopefully I'm part of it. Um, they have equity. So hopefully they don't bail on me or otherwise. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're building a new breed. I think, um, we all are by, by the way, by teaching each other. They've also taught me some different ways of doing things. Um, you know, again, Blair. Well, you met Blair. You yeah. hung out with Blair. You know, yeah. that's a guy I've idolized for a lot of years. Um, what is it about him that? You know, he just, he never really, he doesn't care about the money. You know, I don't think, he never gets caught up in the bullshit and he just, he just lives his life, you know? He I used to get frustrated with it. I'd be like, where's Blair? He's not in the office. He's surfing, ah. you know, but part of that is just that that's his journey and his love. He works his ass off for his clients, but it's like, he just, the drive is not the same. And you know, it's hard for me to shut down. It's hard for me not to be always going and that guy can do it. And I'm sure he has his own demons and his own stuff. Um, I know he has some because we're close enough to talk about it, but God, that mentality is pretty special. Well, to be like, you know what? It's going to be okay. 
But I think it's just from where I said, I think it's really important for you to honor that side of you and not try to be Blair because that's not authentic through the work that you're doing ayahuasca and otherwise, right? right? The, the, the inner work, just the questioning, the conversations we've had, I'm sure you're having conversations with other people that are also on a journey and, and you'll start to see some things within you and you'll start to get to the root of where that insecurity comes from. And that insecurity has been amazing for what the world, the life it has created, not without some shitty stuff too. Right. I mean, that, that's the part of it. But what I've learned is, is it's all part of who I am. You know, it's funny. At least a lot of the bad is gone. You know, I mean, that's these things that I'm still insecure about. Don't hurt anybody. Um, which I used to do. I've heard a lot of people, whether it be physically, mentally, whatever, in the ages of just growing up where I grew up and being a, in tough situations. The decisions I'm making going forward, at least I hope not, and I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can, is when you have as many fucked up things that I've had and, and demons that I've had through from childhood to now, and I don't, I think you learn from all of them. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, there's just hopefully. no way that the, the funny story they say unpack we're not fucking unpacking this whole thing. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's just, there's, it's just fucking, you just got to keep digging and digging and digging. Right. And I'm not saying I used to be like, you know, I have a, a Misa is a very special woman to me that you've yeah, met, met and her. she was part of still part of my life and my best friend or whatever like that. But she just, she was one that just called me on my shit a lot. Mm. And we were talking, I don't even know how long ago it was now, but it's like, you just, the insecurities is one thing, whatever else. And, and, and those are things I won't do anymore. Right. Like, um, you know, I really regret, you know, Jet's mom, Jade is probably one of the best moms I've ever experienced and just an incredible woman. And, and I wasn't fair to her. I didn't treat her right. I left that marriage the wrong way. I made mistakes and, you know, a lot of men and women, are not willing to admit that I'm willing to admit that that was one sided. That was on me. Now I think we both sit in the room together for therapy and it was near the end of, would you marry him again? And she's like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> but again, was my fault still. Um, you know, you grow, it, it, there's just different situations, but um, I can look back and that's a different podcast and, and figure out those relationships. But what, what I won't do and, and what I've proven to myself, good or right or wrong the last time is I will not cheat on a woman. That's just not going to happen. Um, I know what that does deep down. I saw it in ayahuasca. Yeah. Uh, I know what it does to people. Um, I've unpacked a lot of those insecurities. I, I tell the story all the time. I deal with Colson. I did this with another basketball player. I've done this with other friends. It's the famous saying, you know, you got a really beautiful woman by your side or man by your side and you're in the nightclub and you're talking with all your friends and, you know, she decides to go dance with another guy and then you want to go beat him up. Yeah. That's insecurity. Big time. That's why the good security dogs like Jet mom, his mom have, they don't bark because they're yeah. not scared of shit. Yeah. The little dog goes, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> right? So for me, I am now in that experience because that used to be me. I was always fight. If I had a hot girlfriend and somebody's messing with her, I'm going over there right away. My boys and I are going to take this down. And yeah, yeah. Now I realize, well, she's going home. By the way, you and I get to hang out. Let her go dance. Yeah, let her do what makes <laughs> her, her feel dance. good right she's now. She's coming home with me. Yes. That's if you're secure. Like I'm a catch. By the way, and if I'm she doesn't, not the right woman I'm or right, man. Right. Versa. It just so I've been in this situation before, which is again that learning, right? That unpacking. It's like now I can say this to an athlete who I there was one that had this injury. I go, buddy, do you know who you are? 
you know what? I, I think he'd be okay with this. Even Colson and I talking about it now. I mean, the relationship, him and Megan, it's so special. And it's none of my business to talk about that. But it's like, you're with a grown-ass woman. She ain't texting back in two hours, okay? Right. Everybody goes through these things. I'm glad I can pass that on. Yes. Of a little bit of a mentorship or as a friend. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay being personal and saying, look, dude, it's a real woman. She's got kids. You're in a real-ass relationship. It's not this. Yeah. Right. You got to be secure. And you know what? If she's over here, you be secure with that. Just like she has to be with you. But something I said to him, I said, you're a catch, man. Yeah. You're a fucking badass. You're a goddamn model. And you're worried about any other guy. Yeah. Don't be. And I've seen it with the most successful basketball players or whatever. And probably we've gone through where it's like that little dog barking. Shit, like, yeah. So, so it's like, you know, those, those type of things for me, I think I got, I, I know that journey. I've unpacked it. There's still just other stuff. It's just not going to, it's going to take time. Yeah, for sure. And there's, there's no A, there's no rush to it. You know, B, what I love probably most about what you just shared was you're not giving advice about how to act from a point that you've never been. You know what he's feeling. You've been there. You've been there for a long time in your, you know, previous years. You, you get to counsel through your experience about you get to validate what he's feeling. Yeah. And then you can say, but by the way, on the other side of that is you're a catch. And, and again, if it doesn't work out, like what's that? There's a message there. Like, I think a lot of us, maybe not me, but there's like an abandonment thing that people deal with. And so there's that feeling that someone's going to leave them. Yeah, and that's life. fucking real. It's hard to get through. It's, you know, we used to, I, I used to never believe this, maybe the young and I guess this is part of why I love being older. It's experience. Buddy, that's everything Even the haters me. and the clickbait and all this sort of stuff that my clients are going through now. It's like, do you know how many people have said things about me, including ex-athletes, whatever it may be, because of their insecurity, but you know how bad it hurt me? Like, I, t I wish I could meet the person that, by the way, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. I don't understand how to do it. Yeah. Because I've been at a, when I first learned about haters, we call them, right? Yeah, yeah. I was at a dinner table with like 30 people and this guy with his wife was talking about me behind my back. No, no, no. I was at the table. I've never met this guy. He didn't even know I was there. What? Yeah. Oh, that Steve Astafin guy, blah, blah, blah. Said some harsh things. Come on. And a friend of mine was sitting there and goes, hey, Astafin, not the ass man, but Astafin <laughs> has the ketchup. And the guy's wife was so embarrassed. She left. <laughs> but you know what that... That was an experience for me that made me realize that, you know what? Stop worrying about, it's going to hurt, but stop worrying about what other people say. I sleep really good, not in all reasons, but cheating. I've done some bad shit. But you know what I've never done? I have always been all in with my clients. I have always done the right thing. So if people say, because agents get a bad rap and managers, I know I've never done those things. Yeah. I don't care who says it. I have never, as a career in this sport, hurt my, like, I'm all in. Mm. Love it or hate it, I'm all in. And you're just not gonna, you're not gonna, and so you know what I don't do anymore? I just don't deal with the bullshit. I just yeah. don't, I don't listen anymore to it. And and we're gonna, but we're in an industry, it's unfortunate that they all wanna take each other down. Yeah. I know the moment, it's funny, the more I support those people though, I know that they know that I'm doing it almost like overkill and they're back there going, fuck, he hasn't, he shouldn't do this. I really was an asshole to him or whatever else. Right. Just kill him with kindness. It's a stupid, but. Yeah, you know? no, and you, I think, I think I think about um, just my kids, right? My kids are 18, 15, and 14. And I, I, I've been through all the same shit as you, you know, on a different level. Certainly, I'm not a public figure in, in any way. But people 
there are haters for all of us. And I've understood, I finally have lived the experience where I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks about me. I don't care because I feel like I'm living, you know, this authentic life of who I am is not going to resonate with everybody for whatever reason. And so when I see my kids having struggles and whatever it is that they're, they're, they're kids, right? They're dealing with this stuff that you're talking about on some level. The thing that sucks is I actually have to let them go through that experience because my words, even if it's from my experience, it's still, it's not what they're feeling. So I'm wondering, like, it's, do you find that with these guys who are dealing with that? And like, you can let them know that it's going to be okay, but they're still, they have to have that aha moment where it finally clicks. It's like, I got to not, like, you got to, like, for me, it was, Convincing myself that I didn't care what anybody thought, but I fucking cared. And convincing myself, it's like this thing where it's like a practice, practice, practice until I finally got to the point where it's like, I don't care. It doesn't mean that something doesn't come in and sting, but when it stings, I get to look at it and say, well, what's the story behind this? Oh, this person, they don't fucking know me. Or maybe they're checking me for something that I need to be checked for. Okay. Do I take it personally or do I take it as information? And it's, it doesn't mean you stop feeling those things. It's just how do you react when you get that feeling where you're hurt? Someone said something to try to hurt you. And the, the reaction is, I'm hurt because I want to be liked. I want to be loved. I want to be a good guy. I want to be looked at and whatever the, you know, fill in the blank. And I think the challenging part is when people are going through that, it's just like they, on some level, they have to continue to go through their experience. Yeah, they do. I, I just the similarities that you have in the world that we live in, I, I think this is probably the blessing. And again, you know, some of the journeys or some of the processes I've taken and by no means am I anywhere close yet. Like we talked about, I still got a lot of unpacking to do, but I will say that I came out of something and, and, and while I was going to do these things, I had a lot of people support me to say like, do this for yourself, do this for yourself. But you know what? No, I was put on this earth to actually serve. Mm. No matter what way you look at it, I'd be fucking miserable if I couldn't share these experiences, good or bad, and be honest and be truthful. Because what I do feel like is if I fucking made it, and I know there's a lot out there that made it, but like, I don't deserve in a lot of ways to be where I am. So now I should be very grateful to it because for the fucked up shit I did or the things that I've done, it's pretty special that you get those chances. So I'm hoping that my experiences, to your point, it's how they react Maybe you should be checked for that. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have said that. Or maybe you should maybe change that or change that. But just don't react to that insecurity and be like, well, fuck that guy. He did this or this or she did this. That's right. That's the hard part, right? And that's where we're starting. And we need to take a step back and, and project. And that's why for me, sharing my experiences, I hope to God they're listening because I will save them a lot of pain that I put people through and a lot of suffering and a lot of these sort of things that maybe if I see the similarities. Now, again, I don't have those all the time. You know, Travis and I, I guess now he'd be the longest standing client. He left law with me, you know, so 16 years old, I signed him and he's now 30 something years old. You know, this is a long time. We don't have that kind of relationship that I even have with a client. I've only had five or six years. We just don't have similar experience. He's just not, but somehow I'm always attracting some of them like Colson, yeah. Machine Gun Kelly. I see a lot of him in me. And so that's why I'm going to probably care more. I'm going to mentor a little bit more, hopefully not because I think I'm better, but because I'm a fucking idiot. 
And you're fucking, fucking up too in some places. Yeah. Not the same, but similarities or the insecurities or the demons or the childhood, whatever it may be. Um, And his, his, his experiences and, you know, Ken Roxon's or Ryan, some of these people that I'm very close with are actually helping me become better. Mm -hmm. Because I see them figuring it out before me (laughs) because they're better at it maybe, or maybe they're just, you know, these are talented fucking human beings. Well, and they're right? in a different place, they're but a different they're a place, mirror. Maybe. You know, if we choose that, as you just said earlier, I'm, I'm learning. You're learning from the people who are working with you and you're working from the people that you are serving. And if we're paying attention, right, we're also learning from our kids and all that, but there's, there's, there's teachers all around us if we choose to let the insecurities go and know that we're not the smartest guy in the room. And there's so much that we can learn from someone else's experience. Now, it doesn't mean that that's going to be our experience, but there's something there, you know, especially when it comes from the right place, we get to kind of inform our experience as we go forward. And that's, I mean, I think what I'm seeing from you, and again, I didn't know you prior to this year. We met last year, but I I got to know you this summer. I'm seeing a, a man who's really open to whatever comes his way. There's learning all over the place. There is unpacking. You've unpacked a lot. Who knows where that goes? It's, it's, it's like when we step back as men, I think this is more typical of men to try to get to the end of the unpacking, whatever that is, right? In this case, it's unpacking. We want to finish the job. What if we're just on the journey of unpacking and when things come up, we just unpack them and we don't go looking for the, the boxes to unpack, but when they present themselves, can we be open to what's in there for us to learn from our experiences? Shameful as it may feel when we look at that, as guilty as we feel, all the self-judgment, all the shit that we feel, can we just sit with it? And a, a, a plant like ayahuasca allows us to sit in a way that is non-judgmental. We actually get to look at it from kind of an objective point of view and we get to show ourselves grace, love, compassion, that we're, we're generally, as a species, especially as men, we're not great at that. And I think as, as we do that for ourselves, we get to authentically give that to others. But when we don't give ourselves grace, we're kind of faking it with other people because there's just, we, we need our cup. We need to know what that feels like for ourselves. So there's, I, I, I commend you on the journey you've been on, the courage it's taken. I want to, we've teased about it enough. I want to talk a little bit about your childhood and I want to get into what drew you um, then to ayahuasca and what that has meant for you. Yeah, it's, um, so childhood was, um, you know, I'm the oldest, I guess, if you, if you count all those, I'm the oldest of seven. Um, I grew up uh, in a tough part of mass. Yeah, we, well, you know, the original, original, when, there was that time of marriage and the white picket fence. Um, we were actually living in a, a, a suburb of, of Boston that, although tough or whatever, just like it, we were living with my grandmother, even though my parents were married. Mm-hmm. Her husband who passed was not only in the coal, but also um, like foundation funerals, like a factory, but success, you know, built all the, whatever you call those Caskets? The stones. No, the stones. Oh, yeah. Like, gotcha. you know, he's like, you know, they had that factor, whatever. So she had happened to have a pretty decent home. So, so anyway, my father and, and mother moved, 
moved in there and, and that was me. And I think we lived there until a certain stage and then, you know, the divorce, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, we grew up in a very tough, very tough, uh, neighborhoods, very tough place, even being, um, you know, white mm-hmm. <laughs> at times, um, that definitely taught me a lot, but, but those type of things, I think a lot of people have grown up in those situations, right? A lot of people come from the hood. A lot of people come from, whether it be white, black, yellow, doesn't matter of poverty. Um, the difference I think, yeah, was the abuse, probably the abuse I watched, um, and having those environments and having no money and having, you know, back then as a child saying, mom, why aren't you working? Like, why don't you just get a job? It's like, I never really understood her illness. She got really religious and, you know, that the God would provide and, and this sort of stuff. But you know, having five kids at the time there, you know, there's f- five of us with no money and, you know, living on wicks, they call like if people don't know, you know, food stamps, sure. but wicks are how That's you right. get the groceries or, or going to food banks. And, um, at one point got so angry at my mother, um, went to live with my dad who, you know, again, I thought that would be the answer and, you know, lived in a small little apartment. And at that time he was, he was with somebody and it was now, you know, again, my stepmother, I guess you would say my, my stepmother, uh, they didn't get married right away, but, um, my dad's answer to control me. I was not an easy kid, mm. especially growing up where I grew up. I got with the wrong crew, did a lot of, you know, stole some stuff, did some stuff that you just, just shouldn't do as a kid. Um, sold some stuff that you shouldn't sell mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. kid or adult. <laughs> um, but my dad, you know, no matter what I did, it didn't seem to be enough. And I wasn't good at school. We all can figure that out. Um, any book that I mentioned that I love like outliers and that sort of stuff was definitely not read. I listened to it. Yeah. I can't read a book. I don't know why I just, well, I do know why I just can't, I can't, uh, the ADHD and some of the other things I struggle with. I can't focus. I don't comprehend reading. I think I'm smart. I do. I think I'm smart, but I don't, I don't read and study very well and I have to do it multiple times. So books were not something that was getting into to to me. And I think, I, I think for part of it, my father, maybe he did see what I had the potential of. Um, but he chose and, and, uh, you know, to definitely, I went through some shit that no kid deserves. And through this time, I bounced back from homes and got in enough trouble that I actually went to a home. A home. Um, that's where I was which, 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 sexually abused and as a young kid. What type of um, home would that be? So when my mom couldn't handle me anymore, my dad, that wasn't an option for whatever reason. And part of this, I think I've blacked out a lot of this stuff Understood, and memories yeah. and through the process. How old but were you? This is probably... 13 mm-hmm. when I was starting to be probably a handful jets age. Yeah. Can you believe that? Like the, the watching our kids now Buddy. and just how well I've, I mean, just even when he meets, uh, I'll get off a tangent here in a sec, but I, so I won't go there, but so proud of him backstage in different places. Hi, I'm jet. And the hand comes out and it's like, I was such an asshole when I was a kid. It would, would have been like, who the fuck are you? Um, I, I absolutely, you know, this, I adore Oh, that young like, man, yeah. he just, he's just, he's a bright light. Yeah. He really and I is. cannot take all credit for that. I mean, his mom is, is, and by the way, everybody, his mom and I, I, I think we get credit, but just the people that he's been around and been blessed to be around. So you are a product of your environment. That's um, right. My environment was not a great one. Thank God I didn't take all the habits, but um, ended up getting a little, lot of trouble in those years. Um, and at one point where neither parent would hand me. So I was out at 15 um, and, and gone. Um, Probably part of it was my choice. I couldn't handle the abuse anymore. My dad was, was um, you know, I look, I love him. 
I, I have love for that man. And he has changed, not through his own journey, just as I think you regret things. He's got, um, you know, there's seven of us, my, my other, my, I guess I would say stepbrother too, and, and my sister half, whatever. Um, he's trying, you know, he's trying, he's older. He's beat cancer twice now. Um, he's a hard ass and, you know, he grew up a hard ass. So, you know, he, he's trying. So as I share these stories and, you know, he hears these things, I don't, I don't regret any of it anymore. I, uh, it's not even a forgiveness thing. It's more like, you know what, this is the environment. This, these are the cards we were given and something else. A good friend of mine, she, she told me a long time ago is just, you know, fucking suck it up. Like mm. we all got issues. We all went through this shit. The difference is, is probably I have a lot of shame for some of the things I did, some of the things I stole, some of the things I, I, uh, I sold, uh, and some of the things that I did to other people because that hurt them, right? If you take somebody's money or you take somebody's you know, possessions and you steal from them, you're hurting them, whether they ever met me or not. Um, so I went away for a bit. I got, I got enough trouble, got in a, got in a little trouble. <laughs> In a lot of trouble. And then again, like at an early age, right place, right time, got lucky, don't know how. And I, and I will, you know, I never got to tell my mother, thank you. Uh, my mom died a long time ago. She was ill those times. She always took care of us. And I think at a young age, and this is the, it's, I don't know the accuracy of this and I don't want to judge, but apparently my dad had heard from the doctor, she'd be sick the rest of her life and you know, whatever it, their divorce is their divorce. And, and that's unpacking they had to do. Um, but my mom was always sick. We never understood as a kid why she'd get the flu like us, but more often and whatever else. And, but never went to the doctor much. Couldn't afford it. Always made sure if we got sick, we were taken care of, right? Mm -hmm. I think over time, our immune system, the more I know about this, and you're really into this. Yeah. If you don't pay attention to the things and the signs, you're going to die. So she died you know, very young, below 50. Mm -hmm. So it's a while ago now, geez. Um, and I never... God, the shit she went through and the sacrifices she made for us uh, with no money. And probably, I think, you know what? You talk about the environment. Without that church, we wouldn't even have had what we had. Mm. So instead of me fighting that, I should have embraced what that was, what they were helping my mother who had nothing, didn't have the ability to work at time. You know, she went to college, she went to BU, became a nurse before she met my father. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you looked at her, it's probably where some of us get our genes. She's, she's a very thin and, you know, as I got older, probably I would tell you right around 11, 12, she, she definitely gained a lot of weight. She okay. became a, she was a pretty big woman. Um, and again, I think that's part of the sickness because there's no way if you saw her as a child or even me, like, can you ever picture like, I'm going to be fat. Like yeah, there's gotta right. be something, something going on there. Yeah. Something yeah. switches. Jet's not going to be a, a lineman. He's not going to be big <laughs> Phil. Hopefully we're, we're looking at more of like a Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be a quarterback. Well, he is a quarterback. Um, so, you know, for people that if they can get something out of this and you and I just talking about it, it's a product of your environment. Um, you know, I was surrounded by kids that also, so you sit here and you go, well, it was me. Cause it's true. It's like, well, no, I can name about 20 of us that did the same shit. It's just, yeah. everybody's different. And I guess now with my, let's call it success of unpacking and the journey I've been on and the career I've been so blessed to have. And I'm so grateful for the clients that took risk with me and the athletes and the people around me. Um, yeah, I probably don't deserve to be here. Um, a lot of people say, well, you do deserve it. No, I don't. I just happened to fall into the right places and finally figure my shit out because I carried some of those habits up into my older career. Mm -hmm. Um, 
well before the family, well before even Lamar, but like pre snowboard shop, like hustling and, you know, working at, uh, in Maine, do you, you're old, Maine, Old Orchard yeah. Beach, Maine. Hell yeah. So I used to work that carnival business. <laughs> okay. So yes. let's get something straight. That's a cash business. Dude. So when you came up and gave me 20 for three shots yeah, and I, you know, do they really know that they paid me 20 bucks? So it was like for every customer, 20 in yeah. my right side and 20 in their left side. Yeah. So the person that owned the carnival. Yeah. I was making five, 600 bucks cash a night yes. as a 17 year old running that carnival. So I could go on with those stories. I yeah, always had I, a scam. That's part of our entrepreneurship probably, yeah. you know, the street smarts. They call it, people say street smarts. If you can take the street smarts, most people don't take those to do good. And I believe I've done a shitload of good. Yeah. From those street smarts. Dude, it'll just but take, I did some fucking crazy shit, dude, but it was good entrepreneur, oregano, a little I, bit of mixed with, I, you know. Dude, I, 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 um, not to make you feel any better or maybe to make you feel better, but I did all that same shit, man. I did all that same shit. I haven't really talked about it, not because I, I haven't thought to talk about it, but dude, well beyond when I should have known better. There was, there was skimming off the top yeah. for, and I, I don't want to yeah. go into where it was. Yeah, right, right. Because I might be implicated. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, exactly. But I've more than so made I up. got implicated, so I got caught, so we could talk about it. Well, so, There's yeah. a reason why Ace Hardware's take receipts now, because they used to not, and I stole a lot of tools and returned them for cash. That's right. So there, we could talk about it because that's, <laughs> I got caught. I will say this. I have more than made amends with, with where, that. where that happened. Yeah. Financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, no, sure. I'll just leave it at that. Sure. But um, I look back and, and for me, I don't, you know, right or wrong, I don't, uh, it was me figuring it out, you know, fucking snake it till you make it. And it was that, that was, you know, I wouldn't call myself an entrepreneur, but I fucking figured a lot of shit out in that one. Yeah, it's illegal and you're stealing from someone. But that was just like resourcefulness, like being like, you know, you didn't have much. God bless you for saying it that way. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> no, just but want I think you to. For you, I, I think for you, that's, uh, once again, I think you've, um, it's a very impressive, the more I get to know you, but also just, yeah, it's, it, it takes a lot to even talk about what you're willing to talk about now, but you understand where that came from. You're using that in the right way. And again, this is the point I get back to where it's like the self-made thing now, no longer. It's like, I used to think it's like, woe is me. I'm the only one in the world that was abused. I'm the only one that was sexually abused because my mom put me in this home and the, and the juvie and this and that. And it's like, come on, buddy, get over it. A lot of people have gone through this shit, right? Like, look at you. You just sat there and went, here I am thinking like, this guy's perfect. You fucking um, stole. Fuck yeah. yeah. Thief. No, just, a goddamn thief. Goddamn thief. On multiple occasions at a, at a few different places <laughs> yeah, yeah. too. But I used to I, love shoplifting when I was a kid. Yeah, the fucking yeah. No, look, we've all it. done that. I, I think like where I still hold guilt is I, I hurt people and I took it to another level and there was illegalities that, you know, like just doing stupid shit. But again, back to that point of what you're saying is Maybe I needed more. Maybe I wasn't mature enough, but like, you know, ayahuasca, you know, the things that I decided to take really opened me up to learning what those things are. I don't blame. I am so grateful for, look, the times that my brothers and I and my mom slept in a car. No, I don't. <laughs> I wish that never happened. Mm -hmm. The other things happen for a reason. Um, I don't think any child, anybody that read my ayahuasca thing, my post, that was more not to, that was to get it out on private. Anyway, you know, I went private. I used to have way too many followers and cut that off. But 
I wanted to, I, I, I was getting too much questions and I wanted to just finally, and it felt really good to put out and say like, you know what, if you're out there and you've been sex, because you, it gets back to the point, you just said it. We actually all have some similarities that I didn't realize. Yeah. I think prior to being more mature or prior to thinking about myself for once in this journey, I used to think, no, it was just me this happened to. This is why I'm fucked up. Like, this is why you cheat. And this is why you hurt people. And this is why you do this. It's like, no, it's dumbass. This is so many people are like this in similarities. Ooh, so maybe you should tell people that like yeah. no child should ever be sexually abused. I was, you should not be. No child should ever be abused by the person that put them on this earth. I'm sorry, dad. It's just a fucking reality. And you don't hit my mother. Like shit like that. I'm fine with talking about it. I don't care what he says. Yeah. He yeah. has changed and he's a better man for it probably. And he's getting through life and he, he does cry now. Never thought this man cried, mm. but he calls my brothers. He calls me because he doesn't have, my brothers don't talk to him. Mm -hmm. They just don't. And I know what that's got to feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think personally, I know what that's. Yeah. For, for one, I, I want to challenge you on this idea that you don't deserve to be here in, in whatever form that, that comes conjures up in your mind, because that that's, I feel like that's an old paradigm. I've done all these bad things, so I don't deserve this. A lot of us have done bad things. A lot of us are a product of our circumstances. Are, you know, I do believe people in, in all moments are doing the best they can. And some people are just in a fucking really bad place. So they do some really objectively shitty things. And so like, just, I, I want, I, you know, when this is all over, I just want you to like sit with that and, and challenge that idea because I just feel that becomes a limiter. That becomes a limiter it's still for there with me. For, I haven't unpacked it. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe this is something for February or March. So you'll get whatever you need in no, February I, or March. Yeah, but I saw it on the last night where it was going. That's so why I was like, yeah, we're out of here. We ain't going there right now. And, no, and, I deserve. You know what? I want to take it back because you just this is helpful for me to do this because I do think you're wise above your years or and maybe some of the stuff you went through and just listening to you and the process and the calmness that you have and how you talk, it really helps me. And so let's go back to what you just, okay. I deserve it because I earned it and I deserve to be here in a lot of ways. What I'm still is the, it's almost like, um, someone's therapist recently told this to them and then it resonated with me, which is it's, and I, and I don't want to misquote it. I'd have to look at my phone. I'm not going to do it right now. Cause I saved it, but it was, um, <laughs> it goes about, it's basically your, um, I continue because of guilt to won't be self-destructive in a way, but there's a word, there's a therapeutic term for that is that I still am. I'm just fucking dealing with it, man. I just, I, it's almost like self-destructive. The good news is it's not hurting anybody. Well, God knows. I hope it's not. I think I got through that with my accident and that sort of stuff, but like it's the self-destruction still. And yeah. that's what I mean by deserve. It's like, I, I continue to put myself in a position sometimes, and this is on my own, where it's like, I want to self-destruct yes. or I want to, this is part of what we deal with in depression, which I used to never want to admit that I had. Mm -hmm. I have anxiety. If I get anxiety, it's because I'm not worried. Somebody tells me to go on vacation. That's the only time <laughs> I've ever fucking, that's another story where the plane landed in Hawaii because I was having fucking first panic attack. That was a heart attack because I was going on vacation. This is what keeps me going. But there are some things that I do need to, like I said, that, that unpacking, and I, we ain't getting there, <laughs> but there are still some things that I, I really need to, in order to continue to live this life, in order to 
or to, when I say this life, to be on this earth, right? Because we have a powerful brain that can take us. It took me there, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I share with you, having dealt with suicide um, with a client that was dear to my heart and then seeing him in my journey, it only takes that one second of just a bad day, right? But, but it's not the bad day. It's everything leading up to that. That's and right. so I really struggled with those things. Um, and on the outside, everybody would say that's the last guy. Well, so wasn't Dave Mira. The last guy I ever thought would put a gun in his mouth. Like when I mean still today, if I went through everybody in my life, that'd be the last guy. I mean, had a hashtag, be a dad, not a fad. The most positive, I mean, freak athlete, just as a human being and everything in life, the sayings on his doorstep when he built this beautiful home and Muhammad Ali, all these legends. One, just guilt. You know, I know where it is now. I saw it. I, I, I know where it was. I, the signs he was giving me even months prior. Guilt, shame, fucking powerful. But we got to get through it. Because to your point, and you said it, it's like, you did it. Last person, I look at you and I'm like, what? You stole? You came out? I know oh, a lot of yeah. people have. But see, that's the thing. It's like, so we're all going through something. Yeah. But we got to feel like, it's like all this mask and COVID. And there's a lot of positives that came out of COVID. Let's get something. For sure. But you know, I'm struggling with some stuff right now. And I'm not going to go down that political road uh-huh. right now. But what I am going to say is an old saying, love thy neighbor. I heard somebody say it the other day. Because it's love thy neighbor, not because he wears a mask and you don't. Yeah. Not because he believes in this or she believes in that or whatever else. It's just like, you're supposed to just support people. Yeah. And if we can keep continuing to find a way to do more of that, then we won't have these suicide, depression, because a lot of that comes from this shit. It does. You know? So, so here's what, here, what I'm hearing is, let, let me say this a different way. If I came to you with your story, so put your story into me, and I'm sharing this story with you. Do you feel like I don't deserve to be in the spot that you're in right now? Would you feel that way? Do I feel like I deserve it to be in the spot? Do you, if it were me, yeah. You and I have your story. Yeah. I'm you. Yeah. How would you feel about me and I've I've I'm doing all this good work, great work. I'm I've got this leading from the heart, got an unbelievable relationship with my son showing up in ways that I never have before. Do I deserve this? Or because of what happened in the past, a lot of things circumstantial that led to that, trying to survive, doing whatever I could to get there. And you're like, yeah, he kind of fucking doesn't deserve it. Or like, wow, that that's fucking cow, man. Like, I, I don't know how he, I don't know how he got to where he is, but He's a fucking beacon of light. Like, God, glad he's here. I hope the second part, right? I mean, but that's part of what I'm still... But it's me. It's not you. It's me. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think it's, it's hard for me to say it because as you're saying it, I'm sitting there going through things that I still do because of guilt, right? Like, so how does that feel to like, still you know, do the, things out of guilt? Right. But you just, it's, it's just, it's the self-destruct. It's a little bit of that, you know what? You're the one that caused that woman pain. So you deserve this. And so you need to overdo this, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's on you, buddy. You caused that pain or you keep bailing this person out Mm -hmm. because you let them down a few times. Yeah. So now they know they got you. 
And by the way, by bail- but they never call. They never call to just say hi. And by the way, by bailing them out, all you're doing is keeping them in that same thing. You're not allowing, you're enabling whatever is- Here's that word I've been using a lot. I'm enabling so many people in my life. Right. I'm and trying you to feel fix it. it. You're giving, you're giving like what, 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 what you gave to us while you've been here in Austin, you gave from the heart. It's at the, the highest vibration, right? It. If I leave this earth, what that's you, the, the thing I love What you're giving to this person is at a very low vibration. I've done it so much. I've given out of guilt for whatever it is, you know, whether it's investing in a company that a friend's doing that I don't want to, but I've got the money, so I should write him a check for 50 grand to do it. And it's, uh. yeah. so with all that, like, what if, you showed yourself just like I said before, like grace, can you have compassion for you? Because who are you without operating? uh, Unless, you know, at these moments where you're operating from guilt and shame versus this light, this high vibration, like which, where do you want to be? And if, you know, I know the answer is obviously, yeah. yeah. And, What's keeping you, I believe, part of what's keeping you in this other realm is not showing yourself love and compassion and and not taking that objective view of like, I can't believe I'm fucking alive right now. You know, and you are- starting to, because that is it. It's like, I cannot believe. Of service. You are living, you're not talking it, you're living that life. So the more you free yourself up to truly be of service to that person who's asking you for whatever, being able to say no with integrity. That's, that's like, that's where I want to see you like, just start to give yourself some, some of that true self love and give yourself a break. Cause I think as humans and only speak for myself, it can be really fucking hard on ourselves and we can beat ourselves up. For a thing. And then you sometimes we, take it out on others, which you don't want to do that. Course, it's usually the ones happens. you love the most or you care about the most. Yeah. Right. Because it's safest because they're not going to, you know, arguably they're not going to leave. Yeah. But it, it's, can we, you know, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Again, can we give ourselves a break? Can we say, you yeah. know what? I've paid for that. I've already paid the price for that. And there's nothing more I can do except learn from that and not do that, not be that again. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I, you know, those are those chapters that I'm still searching for and um, they're getting easier. Like people like, you know, meeting people like yourself, I believe there's people that come in your world for a reason so that you can learn from them. You can find friendship with them. You can find love from them. You can learn over and over and over again. And I think, you know, no, I don't think I know that that's what's happening in my life lately. Cause otherwise I don't think I'd be here. Cause I think it got pretty fucking hairy and this has nothing to be, I, I feel so bad for people. COVID for me was a positive. Understood. This is not where the depression was. Like yeah. I know a lot of people, COVID was, yee. if you're mm-hmm. an extrovert, even like me, but I found other ways like health and wellness and just, you know, just other things I was going to do work on walking with my son to the beach. Mm spending a lot of time with him, going a lot, you know, so there's other ways. So I didn't get depressed during that time. What I did do though, is a lot of fucking searching and unpacking and, and realizing what I would say though, pre-COVID, 
even, you know, the company stuff, everything that was going on in my life and, and decisions I made and the guilt and all that. That's where I am like, like to your point, it's good to hear it again is look back and go, fuck, you know what? Just glad I'm here because it, it got to that point where it's like, fuck, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. Like maybe Dave was right. Maybe he found something. It's like, you know what? Mm. Fucking let's just get out of here. And, you know, it's hard because um, podcast I did a, a while ago, um, I opened up maybe too much about certain things and it got, it maybe affected someone else that said, do you want your son to hear that? And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't want him to hear his dad had depression issues and all this sort of stuff. And then part of me is like, well, the fucking shit that I learned from the real hard way, maybe this is okay for him to understand because dad's okay now because of him mainly too, right? Yeah. It's, that's something you got to look in the eye every day and be like, you're important to me, right? Yeah. And so those are the things that keep saving you, right? The things that really matter in those friendships and that sort of stuff. Are like, are you here? Do you deserve to be here? So those are, you know, these are things. And, you know, the, the medicine of ayahuasca, you know, I think that's going to help me, but I, you got to do a lot of personal work too with you other do. people and therapy and mentorships and, you know, have that comfort to speak. I, I remember we need to really get her going next year. But I remember something I got excited about um, that you've always done with the group with the workout, which I started to join you guys in the workout. And then, you know, maybe have a little men's talk, you know, uh, or a person's talk, I should say, because I don't, you know, men, women, all of yeah. the above. Um, but, you know, I think more people need to be open to that and saying, this is our circle. I tried YPO years ago. No offense to anybody that's yeah, I've never done it. But like, that wasn't it for me. I was searching for it, but it was like, and they're very private, but it was like, that was like a frat, which I don't think I would ever been in a frat either. So it just wasn't my deal. Right. It yeah. just, that wasn't what I was, I was looking for six guys. I could have a conversation brotherhood. and a brotherhood and open up and be like, whatever we say is for us. Yeah. We don't judge. We don't do this. We don't do that. It's funny when my therapist, when they, that was how I came across ayahuasca, which was crazy, but uh, he had looked at me, he goes, you know what? You're never just going to tell me everything. <laughs> it's just, you're high. You just, it's a fucking ego thing. Yeah. This is prior. Now I can do it. I mean, I've, I've tell him, I think it's important for me to say these things, you yeah. know, that yes, I was touched or yes, I've cheated. And yes, I've done this. And yes, I've done that. Cause boy, it's just like, fuck yeah. for a fused neck. I got some mobility back here. You know, it's like, things just went, this brain, your brain is so powerful on how it can heal you in physical ways, the more calm you are mentally. Yeah. I never thought, I mean, I'm fusing the neck and forever I'd be like, oh, it's because I'm fused. Everybody's always like, I'm like this. Ah, you let some of that shit go? And yeah. it just goes, and you start moving and you start feeling what it feels like. And you're just like, oh, it was my brain. Yeah, holding all it's that like stuff. You cut your hand as a kid, you don't see the blood and you're just like, I'm okay. And you look down and you're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. it's your fucking brain going, yeah, you're not React. okay. You're not yeah. okay. So, yeah, I just, it, I think, you know, like to, to, to your point, maybe the other version of deserve to be here is also just like the shit I was forced to do, like getting off that Greyhound bus and, you know, moving out and living on my own with a much older person at, you know, 15, 16 years old. It's not healthy, mm. you know? And I think it does affect, I guess that's the part that I, that I just wish was different, right? I want my son, why I hug him. I just never a big hugger. I just never was hugged as a child. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that affection and that need and, and probably part of why 
some lucky lady, <laughs> I'm getting there, right? Yeah. It's like, it's probably why my relationships with, with women, I, I didn't have that mentorship. Like I didn't just, and by the way, some of the mentors I have probably not the best thing. Cause I would look at these people that it's not to mention. It's like, I would say this is not an excuse. So I want to make sure this is very clear, but it's like, I almost was brought into an industry that it was like, okay, to cheat. Sure. Cause I looked at mentors of mine who still are married 40 years later and just incredible human beings these, this was a long time ago. So they were old. They were my age then. Yeah. And I'm like, that's okay. He loves his wife. He's got great kids. But it's like, no, it's not okay. Yeah. Right. Just like, you know, being raised like, well, they're all doing it. Why can't I do it? It's the same thing. So you're going to deal with those challenges your whole life. Yeah. There's going to be another set at 50, right? Yes. Fuck. That's coming up too. A month yeah. away. What, so, what, November 13th. I'm the eighth. 50? No way. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Are you that close? Yeah, I'm 50 uh, November 8th. Okay. Can we edit that? We're both 40. <laughs> can't, <laughs> wait, can't wait for our 40th. It's going to be great. Um, but I think those chapters keep opening for me through that. And that's probably part of the stuff I held down. And like when I went to do the medicine, seeing things that I don't, you know, I, I don't remember my dad hugging me. Well, no, it happened. It's just you choose to block out those things because there were so many bad things. Yeah. So you got to block everything out. Yeah. Yeah, and you lose a lot of that, and so I don't want to lose that with him, or anybody else that's now. But that, that those are the things that are, those are going to be, you know, those are important things. And why I think more and more I'll realize I deserve to be here, and I think I will find that bliss at some point. I think we all, it might be right before he takes us, she takes us, whoever it is yeah. that you believe in, might be right then where it's like, it might, you know what? Because of the experiences I've had now, it's like I'll be okay with that. If I'm unpacking all the way until then, yeah, I'm going to be okay with and that. And I now. think you will. I think it just may be less intense at times, but I think, yeah. you know, you get the big boxes out of the way. And again, I don't know. This is my, this is what my assumption is, but it's like embracing for me, it's been about embracing the journey and not trying to get to the fucking bottom of what it is. It's like yeah. just knowing that when it comes up and it's the season to do that inner work, I'm going to embrace it. And when it's the season to play, I'm going to play this summer. We were going to do the podcast when we were up at Gazer. I'd said a couple of times, okay, well, the, I, I just was not in the space to do it, to sit down like we are today. I mean, I could have, but yeah. I was in pure play mode. Golf, nice, though. boat, yeah. hang, just yeah. going with the flow of that. And it felt really good. It wasn't time for me to do inner work. You know, I've, I've come back. You know, I would say before we left for the summer, I had been in a period of, you know, probably eight months of intense inner work. I'm part of a diff couple of different men's groups where we get into that shit and then just otherwise doing some other things. And I went up to Gaza, felt really good to get a break from that. When I came back, I said, I think I'm still going to go with this play thing. It's and heaven, I isn't it? It's yeah. You know what? What I'm impressed that you've been able to do it, but I'm going to give myself some credit here too, is that like, it's part of my insecurity of why I never did stuff like this. Like Steve, seven, eight years ago, you wouldn't have had him at Gosser and I had more money to do it. Yeah. You know, well, I first learned about Gosser a long time ago because of my clients and Mike and JJ and the boys and, you know, everybody like that and gone up there and, you know, been to other discovery properties, but a special and he it's builds so in special. general, right? Incredible. But Gauzer, um, you know, people don't realize for, for me, by the way, that's part of my unpacking. Mm. 
Because again, the sky's always falling. Yeah. I used to think if I left the office, someone's taking me out or if I didn't do this or if I didn't do this and do this, it's like, I'm actually really proud of myself that I can go to Gaza. But you know what's crazy? I still go up there and I get guilty. Yeah. We talked about it this summer. I think we were think at we the uh, yeah. Stanley cup party. Yeah. 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 You know, I feel guilty and I feel guilty. I mean, there's times up there where I'm like, but I, I know that it's okay. I, I work 24 seven when I'm up there, I work 24 seven, so, but it's a different experience for me and I'm watching what my son's going through, what I'm never, whatever, but also just the happiness I have up there. I'm not happy at home at San Diego all the time. Like when I go up there, it is truly, and you know, Ken Roxon's one of my clients and very close friend. And, you know, he's up there now and we invest together and we do all kinds of stuff together. And originally a lot of what I was doing is, is, is investment mindset. And now mm. it's like Courtney, his wife who used to work for, I mean, she's like family to me as well. It's just like, that's your, that's heaven. Like yeah. for you, I know like that sounds like weird, but no, it is. Like it if is. I go, that's, that's for me where I'm happy. The people, you know, maybe part of it, even as people got to know my story and now, you know, fuck now they'll all know the story, that's right. but, but that's okay. It's okay. But I'm just saying like the Adelson's and McGinnis's and the Kennedy's and Sheldon and Ta and it's just the more you, and you know, Coop and now, and I've built yeah. a, a business relationship. I just Love. did his new, you know, he's- You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually so, was on the phone a week ago I, and he I, said that you guys were working together. Yeah, I love him. Uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> he's too nice. He's like- <laughs> That's so good. John, but we he, should, do, John, we should do this and this. Well, Steve, I got to worry about the other coaches. I got to do this. It's like, oh my God. It's like- but he's incredible. He's I'm learning so much from him just on his calmness and his By the passion. way, no one, I've met no one who says fuck more than him. Oh and he says God. it in the sweetest way. It's not like, like a it's mean, not the bad word. But it's like literally every other word. I was on the phone. I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize how much he says fuck. This well, is amazing incredible. It. It's yeah, like, amazing. It's the most gentle fuck. Yeah, it's like it's the Canadian, like, like yeah. fucking this and yeah. fucking yeah. Yeah. He's just laughing and- but. Uh, I just, I want to get back to that because not because it, look, Gaza is a privilege, right? Not everybody can have that. But what I'm going to say to people that you got to go find your space. And that could be what, it could maybe just, I just didn't realize that. And the other thing I hope people realize is it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those insecurities are going to fucking, they have killed so many people's lives. Mm -hmm. God, I know, I know that, you know, the story, oh, I walked up both ways to fucking school yeah. up a hill, but I will tell you is God, I wish I knew at 30, even yeah. what I know now, I things, was, things would be a lot fucking different. Well, a lot different. Well, I, for one, I'm glad I didn't know what I knew, what I know now then, because I, this, I don't want this where I'm at today to be any different than it is. Cause it Good feels you. really, it feels like where I need to be, but I was with, work at it. I was with a, a, a close brother yesterday named Adrian who said that when that doubt comes in, that doubt, whatever, you know, you want to call it. Um, it's not true. It's like a demon that comes it's in and is trying to sabotage what you're doing. Right. And I think that's where, when those things come up. And I think just in the conversations we've had about this, particularly at that party, what I recognize, and again, I didn't know you prior to this summer, but for a guy that wouldn't have bought here seven years ago, now you're here, now you're enjoying it. You've come a long way and you're open to embracing 
what that has to offer you. And again, it's not going to happen overnight, but you're just, you're getting more reps in to show you that, look, when I'm here, even though I'm working and doing that, I can still go and play golf. I can take the kids out on the boat. I don't know who takes the kids out more on the boat than you do, which I I'm super it. grateful for. I'm not a huge boat guy. I will go out with you when you go out. But I don't even care if I get in the water. I just I, no, I you, love seeing those kids on the boat have the time of their life. Thank God we didn't have any injury. Yeah. That's the thing, because they. I'm so happy for them in the comfort. Yeah. And um, if I could do that every day in the summer, and I think this gets back to where I saw with the ayahuasca thing of like, I think the calling eventually is the snowboard instructor and in the summer, the boat driver. Yeah. I'm going to be a badass 60 year old boat driver, fucking yeah. snowboard instructor. Like, I just love it. I love it. I do. I love it as much as taking care, you know, managing Colson and athletes and musicians and everything like that. Probably not. You don't it's have just, to. I've been doing it's this a, a long time and that's kind of like fun. Thing. It can yeah. all be, yeah. these, can be all be yeah. things that make you feel alive. And that's yeah. like what I've tried to orient towards and like saying no to things that just aren't in alignment with that. And it could be anything. I got to do it more. But you are. No. Yeah, but not as much as. But that's okay. It's, it's the way that you, even the way you articulate it, you've really had the time to process that and learn from that yourself, which you should, you know, fucking huge bow down to that. And again, I know even you, I, I, you talk to me about it. I mean, I know, you know, marriages aren't always perfect. Kids aren't always perfect. We, we argue with our kids and everything like that, but you've, you've gotten into a space and a mindset through your work and through your journey that you finally, that you, you can do that. And you're mm -hmm. just, you're not this because you're right. always growing. But it's just really rewarding to see that. Part of that's the success and the work that you put in to get there. But then it's also just the willingness to want to. I still feel, I'm not going to go, you know, here we go, Steve again. I have that, you know, that self-destruction. Yeah. It's just not, it's not, you're it's on not there the yet. path yeah. to like, for it, sure. It's part of for sure. where you're at in the journey. For sure. And um, the biggest thing, right? The biggest thing is when you, we had that conversation this summer, you had an awareness. I'm having an amazing time and I feel guilty. Before you just feel guilty. You probably yeah, wouldn't even I think about the amazing really time. Guilty, yeah. So now you get to actually play with that because you're aware of this. And this is a story that I should feel guilty because I'm here having an incredible time with these amazing people at this amazing community doing amazing things. And I, I, I should be, I should be, I should, think about Blair, right? So that's where Blair is at. Like Blair is going to be there and like, fully embrace it. That's his journey. You're, you're moving towards that, but you can't jump to that place because it's not real. Yeah. So it's just like when, when you feel that guilt, start to sit with like, why am I feeling guilty? Should I feel guilty? What am I doing wrong? What should I, you know, it's like, just start questioning it and it just starts to fall apart. And you're like, ah. And I, and I think too, just like, I still have some anger issues, right? We all, I get a little fired up, mm. but um, I also think I go back to that dinner, but even recently, just the things that happened pre COVID to me or, or even during COVID or whatever, is that I'm really happy that I've been able to get to a point in my life where I can forgive people also, because it has gone the other way. Yeah. And I just forgive them. You know what? Still love you. You, you chose to do what you did or you said what you said or whatever else. But that was a, that was a lot of 
time. That took a lot of time for me to be okay because of, you know, again, part of that process is you're going to do me wrong. I'm just going to fight you. Sure. Win or lose. Lost a lot. I'll get more. you back. I've lost, I've lost a lot yeah. and, and won some, but I've lost more. You don't ever win a fight, right? Some, something's not going to happen, right? Whether it be physical or, or, or mental, unless you're doing it for a living, I guess, like UFC fighter. Yeah. Um, but I am proud of the moments that I've, you know, that I've matured from. It's like um, there was an incident up at Gazer this summer that I think if it was four or five years ago, just because of self-destruction, I would have wanted to hurt the person, yeah. you know? We had the little boat local incident. By the way, that fucker talked about it on a podcast. So I'll talk about it. I heard about podcast. that. Oh, I, yep. I DM'd him. What did he say? A, here comes the anger management issue. Yeah, it's He's okay. a pussy. He hasn't replied to my DM. No shit. Brendan Morrow sent that to me. And I said, all right, well then, because this is the thing. Here's what we need more of. And we actually will love neighbors more. We will love our neighbors more. If and when it does happen, you just fucking call the person out. Mm-hmm. So my point was, you said it. You were loud and clear what you did wrong with this. So I DM'd him saying- we should talk about this. Yeah. I'm not threatening you. Let's sort this out. Let's sort this out. We might like, even become hey, fucking man, friends. I didn't even chase you, but my yeah. boat got fucked up. Yeah. And my kids were, you know, like on your podcast, you lied. You said it was a bunch of younger age women. Those were our daughters yeah. and our friends. Those weren't girls. Now, by the way, if there's anyone to blame to bring a young under, you know, a younger girl to, to Gaza, it's this guy right here. Yeah. He's the single one with all the married <laughs> yeah. families. That was not the case. Yeah. Yeah. These were like people's daughters. Like I, I felt like this is why I wanted to talk to the guy. I was like, that guy chasing you is fucking old. Yeah. It's okay for him to have a daughter in his twenties. Yeah. Right. And she's going to be attractive. Yes. And so what they knew, they manipulated this situation for a podcast to make themselves feel better about what they did. Which yes. I used to do. Yeah. Right? For a fact. Make them feel better about what they did. Make them feel cooler, blah, 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 blah. Which in reality, and I actually did this to somebody. I showed up at a golf course years ago. Again, I'm not doing this anymore, but I showed up and I actually said, you said this, you were interviewing a nanny, I'm not going to say names, but he was interviewing a nanny that was also my nanny. And he said, how many marriages has that guy gone through? He hasn't exactly been the most loyal. And so a lot of people will let people do that. Mm. But I decided I'm not proud of this, but um, Bart Wilson, Blair's very close friend, Bart worked with me. He actually went with me, want a witness in case something did happen. So I found the guy on Instagram and I went to a golf course. I hunted him down and I just went to his face and I said, don't ever, first of all, you lied, but what did you gain out of telling that nanny about me? Did you gain because of your issues in life by telling that nanny that I was a cheater and I've been married too many times, which at one point you were a friend of mine. Mm. You chose to tell a stranger. And by the way, she told me or came back to me. So I'm here to address this. Did you say it? And he was shaking. You know why? Because people don't get called out like that. Uh-uh. And by the way, he could have hurt me maybe. I'm not saying I was going to, you know, he's going to win the fight or whatever else. But, and it wasn't, this is part of what I deal with. And if people don't like me for this, that's okay. But it's like, you know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of that shit. Yeah. If you got a problem, just talk about it. Now, what I would say at this summer at Gazer. Yeah. I was maybe the calmer one. I just sat in the boat and went, I guess those guys are going to go in. I heard they went yeah. fucking hightailing. They, they hightailed it. And, and again, water bottles. I, I will always have family the way I was raised. I will always have, you're all my family up there. Now I'll always have everybody's back. Yeah. But there's a time where it's like, I think I used to go over the edge on that and I would be fearful what could happen. Right. Um, and so I've worked through those things and I think I'm really good. I think I've, I've learned a lot. I don't, I don't think I'll show up at a golf course threatening somebody. 
Ron, uh, apparently I threatened him. But. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Well, I, I would say that uh, as you were telling the story. And about- I thank Bart for going with me and saying he, he couldn't hear a thing because it was a, a blower. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cute. He's an Aussie. They all are. They're pretty, pretty neutral guys. I brought the right guy to the fight that day. Yeah. So what I would say is, as you were talking about how you've been able to, um, this idea of forgiveness, I want to, I want to introduce a different word. It's very similar. um, Acceptance. So there's an acceptance. And I think you know, some of the work that I've done, um, actually I say that I look over on my altar and there's Ram Das, yeah. and he talks about things just, they just are, it's just a happening is what he says. It's just a happening. So when someone does something that we feel wronged against, it's not wrong until we put our story on it. And again, objectively, it could be like a shitty thing, right? But like when we just start to accept things for being a happening. It doesn't mean that we endorse anything. It doesn't mean that we're happy it happened. Right. It doesn't mean we need to be friends with anybody anymore. It doesn't mean there aren't repercussions for what happened. But when we can just look at things as a happening and have acceptance, it's just like, that's been a really kind of beautiful tool for me. I don't always go to it. Sometimes I'm like, that guy's a motherfucker. Fuck him. Like I'll get yeah. Oh, yeah, we Trader Cow will come out yeah, yeah, yeah. in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. Once I take a few deep breaths, maybe I can see it a little bit differently. But I even think again, a little feel free yeah. for commercial break. That's right, feel free. <laughs> Mine's already gone. Number two today. <laughs> um, what I would say is, and and I think this could be an another one to put in your toolbox: acceptance, acceptance of everything that has happened. Not, I feel like you've accepted everything or largely- A lot of acceptance. That's happened to you. I don't, I think what we've talked about today, you haven't accepted things that you've done. Correct. And I think just having like really sitting in that acceptance and start to see how just things change for you. Talk about like the ayahuasca help, right? The shoulders drop and everything. I think- I think you're going to see more of that as you start to feel what it means to accept and, and stop beating yourself up and holding yourself hostage for things that happened when you were a different person. It's still you. you and know, still have work to do. Every day. Well, always, you know, always. And, and, and I think um, when I accepted that, because there are times when, you know, I think I've, I've come a long way with my relationship with Peyton. But there would be t- times when, you know, maybe I would trigger something in her and then her response, I would shut down. Then she would come to me a few days later. This what happened. Like she would have the courage to come to me and say something. And then I would be really hard on myself. Like, fuck, man, you fucked it up. Like, how have you not figured this out by now? You've been doing this work for a while. You've been intense about it. Oh, I'm, I'm still going to have these moments where I don't quite get it right. But can I give myself grace and say, you know what? You know, a friend of mine gave the analogy of, you know, you used to run a nine minute mile. Now you're running a five and a half minute mile. Like you fucking come a long way, brother. You know, so like keep shaving time off the mile. You get there. And enjoy that journey of running. 
And so that's where I think when I'm in my best place, I, I can, I can tap into that. It's not all the time. You know, I still can, can be kind of a dick, you know, and it's a bummer, but it just means there's more work for me to do and I'm never going to get to the end of it. And that's okay. I just want to continue to evolve, grow, and be open to the feedback that I'm getting, you know, from, you know, Peyton, from my kids, from friends about, you know, how maybe things could be different, you know, reflect back to me and, and, and maybe, you know, just in knowing that it's remembering that we're all doing the best we can, you know, and when I can give that myself that I can give it to Peyton when she's having an off day yeah, and she's feeling maybe a little bitchy to me. It's like, well, maybe it has nothing to do with me, but I'm the one who's closest to her. So I'm the recipient of that energy. Right. So that's been part of my journey. Anyway, this has been amazing. I love you, brother. Love you too. I'm so glad we waited till now. Yeah, me too. Right time. You're a, you're such do a it again gift. soon. We'll keep unpacking down the road. We will. Yeah. Maybe this summer. Maybe some more gray hairs by then. Maybe some more, you know, I, got, <laughs> I, got, I keep mine tight so you don't really see them. Yeah. 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 That's what I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. Um, I'm really honored and excited to be on this journey with you. Grateful for you. I mean, just the things you've done for my son and, and, uh, mm acceptance you've given him into your home all summer and everything else Buddy, too. careful he, he might he i might just, be pulling for if shit's still going off in california i might try to adopt that little guy so yeah be careful well, god he I, yeah i know no kidding huh california yeah there's a lot of shit going on um but yeah thank you it's been it meant a lot to me and i just enjoyed being here and coming to be at your home and uh being in austin has been just a pure joy so we'll be back a lot more I sure hope so. I'm going to hold you to that. Oh, yeah, for sure. sure. All right. Thanks, brother. Thank you. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, check out the show notes or head over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats, and the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.